Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What is up, weirdos? Uh, here we are. At long last, John Mulaney, one of my best and dearest friends and one of my absolute favorite comedians and people of all time. Great episode. Recorded in New York, and, and, and it's out. It's out! Very excited. Um, we actually discussed this on the episode. You uh, probably know this by now. I'm taping a pilot uh, for... Uh, Conan O'Brien is executive producing a talk show called The Midnight Show with Pete Holmes, and that's me, Pete Holmes. It tapes on August 21st and August 23rd in Burbank, California, and I'm trying very hard to get as many weirdos as possible. It's going to be so much fun. I promise we've been looking at stuff that we've been putting together, and I couldn't be more excited or more thrilled. And uh, the final ingredient is getting a great audience in there. So please, if you can, come out August 21st to 23rd. It's free. Here's how to get tickets. Go to teamcoco.com slash Pete Holmes, and it'll tell you how to uh, request tickets. And if you request them, you'll get them. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So just uh, please <laughs> so just uh, please come out. Please come out. It's going to be such a great time, and uh, people have already been signing up, and I'm thrilled with the response so far. Let's fill up the rest of them seats. Uh, you made it weird.com is where you can get uh, t-shirts made by weirdos for weirdos. Facebook.com regular slash you made it weird is where you can uh, post your favorite moments of the show. I love when people do that. Doing my best to respond to those. And here's some tour dates. Uh, let's see. We already did all those. We already did those. September 6th through 8th, I'll be in Arizona for Stand Up Scottsdale. Uh, it looks like I have to reschedule St. Louis and Chicago. So stay tuned for uh, some new dates for that. September 24th through 30th, I'll be back in Canada for my Canadian weirdos for Just for Laughs 42. JFL 42. So uh, come out to that. We're going to be doing a live. You made it weird as well. October 11th through 13th, Appleton, Wisconsin for the Skyline Comedy Cafe. October 14th, the Cedar Cultural Center in Minneapolis for one night. November 16th, the High Watt in Nashville. November 24th, Boston at the Paradise. December 5 through 8, Helium in Portland. And December 21st, Gramercy Theater back in New York City, this time to do stand-up. Email the show, weirdatnerdist.com. And uh, this episode is actually brought to us by Gamefly, which, which is pretty exciting. I should have written some games. Uh, let's Apply Grandpa's Deodorant. That's a fun one. Rock Cashews are actually steamed. That's, that's a hit game for the Neo Geo. Shake Up My Protein Shake for Connect. I'm clearly just looking around my office and have raw cashews and a protein shaker. That's for Game Boy. <laughs> that last one was a game for Game Boy. Uh, this is what you got to do to get on Gamefly. Go to Gamefly.com, regular slash weird. You get a free 15-day trial that supports the show. They deliver games to your door and directly to your PC. They have over 8,000 video game console games, including all the newest games, such as Slap the Salamander 2. No late fees or shipping fees. One-month subscription is a fraction of the cost of a new game. Uh, listeners get a free 15-day trial on Game. Fly, so go to GameFly.com, regular slash weird, for your trial, or go to this episode's page on Nerdist.com and click the banner. That's the ad. That's the stuff. Come to the live taping. Enjoy John Mulaney. Thanks, weirdos. You know what I like about your show, by the way? Can you turn him up in my... I can't hear him. What? I love that you even listen to it. I feel of like course. you turned me down. <laughs> I was thinking that the other day. I was sitting in an airport listening to... Like you talk to 
<laughs> Kumail or something. And I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? And I do it all the time. I listen, I listen to like Neil Brennan talk to Ron Funches. Right. Like for an hour. Right. And I won't call, I won't talk to my family for an hour. <laughs> and I'll listen to two friends of mine, a friend and an acquaintance talk. Right. It's crazy. The comedy podcast, uh, it's like, I think I listen to it more than music now. It's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Well, I, I always thought that was... And I'm a, always interested. I'll listen to Joe Mandy talk in an interview for an hour, but I won't, you know, call him. Right. You have their number. <laughs> I have that. You yeah. have Neil Brennan's number. You could call Ron Funches. They'd be happy to hear uh, from could, you. You could call Ron Funches. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear myself. Can you turn... I need to be able to hear myself because I love my voice so much. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. A little bit more. That's great. Oh, now we're doing a podcast. I thought that was more of a Los Angeles thing. So the thought of you being in New York and listening to podcasts no, seems like against the stream. No, I listen to them a lot. And you listen to the Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll, one of your good, one of our good friends. And you just said... A, a close was, and personal friend who we both know. That's yeah. how you talk now. <laughs> I have to set it up. You're like a... Yeah. You, you set up everybody. You name drop like... Like... Uh, oh, what's you, his name? Like... Chelsea? No, you name drop like you're like old show business, like <laughs> Lou Rawls or something. You're like Kumail Nanjiani, who, who uh, a close and personal friend who we both know. <laughs> who we both know. You always say <laughs> you're so showbiz now. That is one thing I did want to get out on the air is that you are so showbiz now. It's crazy. No, it is. It's a good thing, though. You love show business. And I you do love, love and show business. You love being a capital E entertainer. Yes. And <laughs> you, congrats, because you are. <laughs> congrats, because you became one. You are like, so, I know you're not Midwestern. You're from Plymouth, right? <laughs> no. I'm Where are you from? Lexington, Massachusetts. <laughs> close enough. That was Plymouth. fucking close. Plymouth. Close. You're from Seekonk, right? Yeah. Plymouth. Um, I'm not from the Midwest. But you are in spirit? <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? I do get that. You're like... White bread. You're a church picnic? I'm a church picnic, yes. And Somebody just tweeted me that I have church face. Like, you have church face. I do. You have church face, too. We so, both... We, like, does that mean an old Filipino woman? Because those are the only people in church. <laughs> too blessed to be stressed. Too blessed to be stressed. Right across the street was right too blessed to be stressed. Right across the street is the clinic where that happened, yeah. Right across you t- you tell the story about your prostate exam and we accidental prostate exam. <laughs> we had the same doctor, Doctor Chewy. Yeah, at Docs, you had a line about Docs. You were like, yeah, Docs. Uh, I can't remember. It, it, it was, was it was more. It wasn't a funny joke. It was mainly attitudinal. It was like <laughs> you gotta go there. It would, it would get a laugh, but now a year later, I can't quote it because it's not that funny. But this, this this speaks to something about you and I are constantly trying to figure out how to be grown men, right? Oh that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. something that it's you and a I very big theme in my life. But you and I specifically, I feel like we're both as obsessed with that. Like you, you and I were talking about buying a suit. Yeah, right. We're like grown men. I think I was twenty nine when we had this conversation. Yeah, and you were like. Go buy a suit. And I was like, it makes me nervous, like yeah. going into a Nordstrom. And no, then- they, they do make me nervous. That, that was after I bought, I bought this brown suit yes. when I was like 27. <laughs> I think because at Saturday Night Live, everyone was dressing up for the show. Yes. And I bought a suit at Barney's Co-op. 
And the guy, uh, the salesman, I tried it on and it fit pretty well. I was like, oh, it's a nice suit. And he goes, now you know what you got to get with that. The little white shoes and a little white hat. And I was like, F, you get an F. That is a terrible suggestion. But that's what you told me. And I, I don't want to out you as having had a condescending thought. But I actually, it, innate, it empowered me. You were like, Pete, they, they're just a guy. It's just a guy. You know what I mean? That that was your message. It was to me. no. It was even more condescending it was, than I'm, that. I'm making it lighter. You're making me sound nicer. What that. I said to psych Pete up into going to a fancy store is like, it's not. You're not dealing with like a rich person. This is someone who works at the clothing store. Right. Well, like it's which not is, like H. W. Worthington the third is going to help you find. <laughs> you need white shoes you and a white a, hat. Yeah, yeah. Well, that but that's the thing is they act like they're rich. It's like guys at car rental places act like they own all the cars. Like the guy, you know, they wear that's the really suit. That's really funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> and they're just like, I'm letting you borrow my personal, my Dodge Viper. You can borrow it. Yeah, and you'll be like, oh, do you have anything other than the Civic? And they're like, no, sir. And they'll be like, Civic's a very nice car. <laughs> but also, in line with trying to be grown people, that it's like our first ventures to the doctor. That was Docs. That was on twenty third and seventh, right here across the street from our old office. Do you want to? Uh, yeah. Do you want to set up where we, we are? We should set that up. Okay. I, I got. I wrote down Docs because we can talk about Docs. We're in the old office, which uh, it's here in New York City. So this is a remote. This is this is actually like the, one of the first remotes we've ever done, and we're on twenty third and seventh. And this is like a historic. I like to think of it as a historic comedy office. Uh, you were here with Pete and Brian. And Brian Donovan. Brian, Brian no, the Donovan. The first group was a group uh, of myself and Nick Kroll, Brian Donovan, Conrad Mulcahy, and uh, occasionally a guy named Brendan Colthurst. Oh, Together yeah. we did those. His tapes were all up there. His tapes were up there. Together we did that I Love the 30s. That's right. Comedy Central web show. I remember you had an award for I we Love had the a 30s. Webby, which we then s- became a big award. When we won it, it was like, oh, we just won some internet award. And is then now, now the thing? Webbies are like a thing. Really? Like, you this know, is... like, like, I'm sorry. Sean Hazel hosted. <laughs> I, this is my Doritos Crash the Super Bowl champagne. Monterey Cristal. Isn't that really nice? What is that? No, that's not the Cristal the rappers are rapping about, is it? It can't be. It probably is. I don't know. Well, it's, it's ruined now because it's been baking in this horrible office for like three years now. But yeah, anyway, it, it has all these relics. This, I, I found this old box because after, after that group, you were here. Yeah, so sorry. So we found this office on Craigslist. We're on 23rd and 7th. We're above the Radio Shack on yes. 23rd and 7th. And we're above, what's it called now, Brazil Nails? Yeah, there's some sort of nail salon that but Andrew, our, our tech a, for New York, was like, it's as sad as I thought it would be. It's, it used to be <laughs> below us was a male modeling agency. That's right. Yeah. Do you remember that guy stopped me once? See, you, you've throughout my entire life, uh, my adult life, been a guy that like I call and I just, when I have my head up my ass, because he stopped me, and I'm very tall, and he was like, do you ever do any uh, modeling, like big and tall modeling? And I was yeah. like, I don't know. Could I be in a newspaper circular? And I called you, John, and you were like, uh, what are you, an idiot? <laughs> Like, yeah, for those, uh, the, the backstory is, and I, and I can't, I don't want to defame a business that might still exist, but it was a very interesting place where, like, men would get a contact sheet done where, like, one, their shirt off, one, the cowboy hat, one, one, the Zorro, 
One is Zorro. Zorro also has his shirt off. Zorro though. also has he his has shirt the cape, off. the mask, the hat, no yeah, shirt. Yeah, no shirt. <laughs> Cigarette. And uh, I once remember I came in here, uh, I came up the stairs to the office, walked past the first floor, and there was a blonde like dude, like right off the bus, idiot. An idiot. Uh, shirt off. In jeans, wearing um, a cowboy bandana thing around his neck. Oh. And the guy was yelling at him for not paying for his headshots yet. And the guy, like, won. It was a very oh, Boogie Nights no. moment. And I just walked by and I was like, I thank God. Yeah, I'm not like moving to New York to be an actor. Thank it's God, I'm a stand-up thing. comedian. The part, it's, in fact, Boogie Nights is the perfect anchor for that story. That the, it the was, scene, you know, where they want the tapes. Yeah. Yeah, that's and it. You know what scene in that movie makes me cry? I think every time is when his family is yelling at him saying like, you think you're going to be a oh, star? Oh, tearing down the posters? Yeah, and he goes that's in his room and he's like, bad. I am going to be a star. Yeah. I am going to be a star. You know, yeah. like, you know it's up there. And, hey, you and, got it in. What's that? You got it in. <laughs> you fucking you got to be the back. first guy on record to do a, a Wahlberg. That's not after true. Andy Samberg. In fact, famously. I remember the day I turned on that you're a dick. You're being a dick person. No, I just got a little. I, you, I because you know why? I've, my terrible Wahlberg predates Andy's uh, Andy. Like I know him. I know you know him. And I remember the day I turned on the Saturday Night Live. Your uh, Wahlberg isn't terrible. Thank you, you do a good Wahlberg. I know I'm being self. Andy does a very funny Wahlberg. I love his. You're Wahlberg. all. Every, you're all good at impressions. I love his. <laughs> You're a kind man. That's our bit. Oh, on yeah, America's yeah, yeah. Got Talent, the worst judge who doesn't yeah. know how to. That would be us on America's Got Talent. Um, you seem like a nice person. <laughs> You're a, you have kind eyes. You have kind eyes was one of them. You seem you seem kind. There were yeah. all these bits that I was throughout the years. I have a pretty good memory from Mulaney bits, right? What I, I don't want to forget what we were talking about. What we were talking about, Wahlberg. Well, oh, we're talking nights. about The Office. Oh yeah. Sorry. So. I have a good memory with bits and yours, and I was always trying to get you to do world worst. Uh, see, maybe I was annoying, but in in my life, I've I've done a, a decent job remembering some of the funnier things you've said, and I'm forgetting what they were right now. Well, but that's thing, okay. thing, things like America's Got Talent, you have kind. I was always trying to get you to do that. Yeah, so I was trying to get like you to do person. Cops Apartment, which Cops I'm still trying to get you to a, do, which is a stand-up bit that I. Once talked out with Pete a little bit, and since that was about seven years ago, yeah. and you've been trying to get me to do it on it stage. It sticks with me for some reason. Soup is the same way. Soup, soup is the same way. We'll I get can't... to soup in Cop's apartment. Okay, I'll put soup down here. Okay. We'll stay on the, stay on, stay on on the, the office. office. So I walked by that modeling agent. So that used to be downstairs. Um, and then it was who? It was you and me and Matt McCarthy? No, before that, it was Pete and Brian. Pete and Brian. Who, his wife now teaches me yoga. Isn't wor- the world weird? Who, Sackas? Yeah. Oh, really? Adrian, yeah. Oh, wow. She's wonderful. Oh, it that's was so great. weird. It was one of those horrible moments where she was like, hi, and my stupid ego goes, oh, a fan. That's what always happens with me. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm Brian's wife, Brian Sackett. I'm like, I'm an asshole. Like, immediately had to just be like, I didn't say, oh, a mm-hmm. fan. But then, yeah. oh, it's like that bit of yours, your wonderful bit, like when people wake up from comas. That's one of my favorite bits you? of yours. Where you go, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what people do when they. You would you, never do that. You pretend like you see, recognize everybody. Or, or if you don't, if you see someone you don't recognize, you don't yell, "Who are you?" <laughs> Especially in a hospital where you don't live, where you're a guest. The part of memento 
In, I, re- I relate to the movie Memento. I say all the time that the bridge is burning behind me. Like, I'm forgetting things as they're happening almost. Wow. So, I know it's terrible. Yeah. But it's also, it, it, I guess no, it no, could I be feel the same good. Way. I kinda, I'm in the moment. You can't say I'm not in the moment, but I am forgetting things instantly. Mm-hmm. But that, not, not, not everything. <laughs> but I am forgetting things instantly. <laughs> but the idea when he says in, in Memento, the guy that ends up, you know, the twist is that it's him sort of thing. He goes, like, you learn to fake it. Uh, I forget the name. Sammy Jenkins, I think, is his name. Joe Pantoliano's character? No, no, no. Uh, the guy that is in the flashbacks. Okay, yeah. And he's like, he, he. I used to investigate that case, and he'd come and he'd see me, and I'd see something in his face that registered, oh, it's you again. And that's why I thought he was lying about not being able to remember anything. But then now that I have that condition, I know that you fake it. And that's how ah, I kind of feel a lot gotcha, of the time. Gotcha. I relate to that very much. So it was Pete and Brian. Who, and you and me. And then... And then this You're is, sitting roughly where you were sitting when you told me you were getting a divorce. <laughs> and you're and sitting, I'm sitting roughly where I was when you, when you told me you were, in your roundabout way. Here's what I was about to say, and it's sad, but real. I, I was about to say, because I'm always I'm fascinated with those phrases like, you're my family. And you know, I, I was just talking about this on the podcast. You're fascinated thing. by them? Well, they're, they're troubling. They're terrifying. But yeah, I here's what so. I was about <laughs> to say was, you in that time, in that week that's all i had that time oh, that's we nice had, that's i was nice. about to say you were all i had no and i'm being funny about it now and i make fun of you a lot for your divorce but in it, that no, moment it. It in that moment though like yeah it was very well, i, that was I, I my certainly bur- felt for you i wasn't that was my birthday dick then that's what happened oh it was your birthday yeah it was my birthday shoot yeah, no 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 and that was before now i'm remembering i'm having a flashback i and i'm okay. remembering that no your birthday bef- was a different day it was before than i you found told out me you got it. yeah it, your birthday was the day your wife wouldn't hang out with you <laughs> that's right <laughs> but this, see now i know what she was doing was what a weak person does and i know because i'm a weak person where you draw it out she was having an affair mm-hmm. and it was my birthday so we're supposed to like go to my favorite restaurant which at the time was uh Lure. Remember Lure? We've yeah, been lure. down in Soho. We're supposed to go down to Soho to go to Lure and eat oysters and stuff. And instead, I sat at this office, and she kept texting me that it was getting later. She was like, can we do seven? Can we do eight? And what I did just, she do for a living again? She was a teacher. She was a school teacher. She was so a school teacher. it doesn't run late. No, I know, but she was out getting drinks <laughs> with the guy that she was oh. fucking, I think, was one of the guys at this. Like, they used to go out on Fridays. I think it fell on a Friday. She was telling you. I it was a Friday, because I was waiting to do a yeah. set somewhere. And I had been in the office alone all day. I'm I'm sorry to start yeah. on such a sad story, but no, I was no, in the no, office okay. alone all day. And what were you doing? Uh, I must have been doing a set somewhere because I kept coming back. I kept popping back in because the reason we had this office yeah, was yeah, because yeah. it was like an in-between space. All of us lived in Brooklyn and this was in Manhattan. So if you're doing sets, it was like, where can you hang out in between? Right. Also, if you came in to Manhattan for some awful, embarrassing commercial audition <laughs> and then you, you don't want to go back to Brooklyn yeah, yeah, yeah. before you're set, you'd hang out at this office. Absolutely. And, and you, you said, uh, I was just going to say famously, because to me, I repeated it to everyone who's taken the office since then. And Jesselnick has had it. Matt McCarthy, Tom Shalhoub currently has yeah. it. Uh, Berbiglia's next door. We were like, we're paying, to have, we're paying to have a space where there's no television or Xbox or anything. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. You just had to sit in here. People always like hypothesize. I heard people being like, what do you Melanian do in that office? You just type all day, do bits and stuff. I'm like, really? It's a lot of nothing. Like You're just kind of sitting around talking or doing nothing. But that's when I think the subconscious is generating material, I hope. 
every once in a while. Yeah, it was a very just like calm, quiet place to yeah. hang out. Yeah. You would never come in and I'd hold like one finger up and be like, I almost got it. I yeah, was yeah, always yeah, like, yeah, come yeah, on yeah, in. Yeah. Like, I'm happy to see you. Like, yeah. And we'd just shoot the shit. It was kind of the best. I've almost cracked this exasperated rant. Right. I also have a very vivid memory of you sitting here and I got to see Silly Mulaney. And like, you're a pretty put together guy, but you're also very silly. And you played <laughs> You're a very put together guy, but you're also silly. You're both. Yeah. But what I mean is, I think we both maybe <laughs> keep our silliness in like one of those peanut cans that has the snakes in it and like every once in a while we'll see it and you played tlc's uh rainbows uh waterfalls, waterfalls. sorry <laughs> what am i your dad <laughs> the tlc had rainbows yeah don't THC's go chasing rainbows, rainbows. <laughs> and you wrapped lisa left eye lopez's entire part perfectly yeah 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 i had I never seen that, you yeah. do something like that and I, I think it was to cheer me up in this gloom and doom time of my life yeah 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 <laughs> So anyway, that going to that story to finish, put a pin in that sad story was you kept coming back and you, you and you were the kept only... being here. Yeah, and it was your birthday, and yeah. I was like, are you... "Oh yeah, when are you going? When are you meeting up with your wife?" And you and you didn't. Yeah. So then flash forward to like a couple weeks later, you had moved. Where did you move with your wife? Like Cooperstown. <laughs> You had a apartment in Brooklyn. You were a stand-up comedian. And then you and your awful ex-wife were, like, moving to Cooperstown, New no, York. we lived in Cooper, Sleepy Hollow is what it was. You lived in Sleepy <laughs> we, Hollow. We lived there at the time. A, a yeah, a on Washington birthday, Irving place. <laughs> we lived on Gory Brook Road. You lived in Road. old New York. Yeah, Like, yeah. original New York. On, on Mad Men, he takes the line that I took. They're like, get off at Hastings on Hudson. That's where yeah. he gets off. That was my line. Yeah, I took except the they Don were Dre- happier. They're not Pete Campbell's character. Mm-hmm. When he goes in there and he calls it a cemetery. No, I'm joking. That no, your I know, life I know, was I know. so bad. No, I know. My, my life was terrible. I, was I hated it. You hated it in the moment? I hated it in the moment. I was never so unhappy. I was never so unhappy. So when Pete Campbell on Mad Men in the most recent season, it's not yeah. a spoiler. No, who cares? Is unhappy upstate. He's just like, I can't believe you're happy in this in the cemetery. Yeah. He calls it. Yeah, yeah That's yeah. exactly how I felt. I was like, I, I live in a tomb. It's a three-bedroom tomb. We right, right, right. One floor of in it. In a stone. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we were yeah, by yeah. a cemetery. We were by a cemetery. It was the saddest... People on the sh- that listen to the show a lot know that I actually thought I had died, and so this time around this my birthday, I thought I was living in like a Rob, uh, what is it, Lynch? What is the guy? David Lynch. David Lynch. I was like in a David Lynch film, just surreal. Nothing made sense. You keep coming in this office. My wife is texting me, being like, "I'm going to be three hours late," and then eventually you just get the text that is like. Uh, maybe we should just meet at home. I'm sorry this ran so late on my fucking birthday. You know what I mean? I'm so- sorry a drinks with friends ran so late. Exactly. That's insane. An elective activity wow. ran late. That's, so, a, that's a ballsy lie. That is a ballsy lie. And though what it is is what's happening in that moment, and I've never cheated in my life, but what is happening is the guilt, the, you know, the telltale heart of what she's up to, it's too painful. She couldn't see me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She couldn't fake it. Some days you can fake it and meet your, your spouse and yeah. you're fucking some tiny Italian man. Some little Italian <laughs> pistol starter. Some little Italian asshole that's stirring a sauce. Well, well, hey, taste my sauce. With a towel over his shoulder in a sweatshirt. Hey, all right, hey. A couple meatballs for the meatballs. That's what your stupid ex-wife married. Is this, by the way, liable, what I'm doing? What? Can you sue me? Can your wife sue me? Your old dumb we, wife sue me for <laughs> making fun of her? I don't, I don't even... She, she has no internet presence. You couldn't find her if you looked for <laughs> no, her. No, no, I know. I just, and we've never said her name. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah, you could yeah. find and, her. And by the way, I don't know her. I just really And you've never met this guy either. You're just By the way, I, did, I never met her. 
I know that that was that was now the that's biggest an interesting comfort. thing because I knew you for like four years at that point. Yeah, three yeah, yeah. years, three yeah. years, and you, I never met your wife. And you never once met my wife. It was one of those wives. <laughs> it was a Vera from Cheers. <laughs> you were nice. Norman, yeah, exactly. It was a character. It was a monkey something. Or Mon- on my so-called life, it was Tino. That was the guy you never saw. Wow, you thought of two. I thought of Monkey Allen from uh, The Office, the British Office, is a character you never see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in the finale, Allen, yeah. Gareth goes Monkey Allen and goes off camera to where presumably Monkey, monkey Allen. Allen is. I'm sure the script says goes off screen to where presumably, presumably Monkey, monkey Allen, Allen is to where we are led to believe Monkey <laughs> Allen. <laughs> But anyway, that story, and I like telling these sad stories because things are so much better now, and because we've gotten out of them. It's, uh, but I knew it. I knew the moment you told me that your life was going to be better. I knew how sad it was going to be because I knew you were a right. good and are a good guy and a traditional guy, even though you're Captain Showbiz now. Uh. But <laughs> you. So then, a you, week or so later, yeah. we came into this very office, and you uh, the. Uh, you asked me, do you know anyone <laughs> oh. who's looking for a roommate? Yes. And I was like, huh. That's how um, I told you, yeah. I might. I was like, I'll look around. You're like, like just, a, just like a one, a two-bedroom in Brooklyn if anyone's looking for a roommate. And I was like, yeah, um, I might. I might. And, what I, and, I, and I was like, are you looking for a place to stay overnight if you do a set in the city? Yes, you gave like me the out. Like a Pete Campbell. The like, courtesy, do you yeah. need an apartment in the city because this commute right. is too hard for you with stand-up? Right. And you, uh, you said, no, I'm looking for a place in Brooklyn. To live. Like, it was taking a lot of steps. And I was like, uh-huh, cool. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'll keep my ears open. And then I was like, why would you live in an apartment in Brooklyn? And you went, things aren't so good right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I was in the bathtub of grief at that time. No, it was a real performance in... Uh, a dude holding it in. Yeah. Yeah, it was and very that, good. And it was an dude, Emmy-winning performance. That, it was an Emmy-nominated performance. And that role, it wasn't a movie. It was a Sopranos. It lasted 80, 80 episodes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I went for it. I kept, I kept the pain in a long time. You mean when you were getting divorced and after? I, no, I just mean that whole time it took me so long to come to terms and be like, oh, I am sad. Like, I'm so uncomfortable being sad. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I didn't, you like, did not have much practice in it. I didn't have any, any practice in grief or anything. So you yeah. got I, – I wish – I'd be a brilliant actor if I could play that scene. I'd have no way to do it. The guy who's yeah, yeah, being yeah. like, well, things are – I'd like overplay it now. Yeah. At that time, I bet I said it pretty straight. Like I was just like things aren't very good. It was right just now. the slightest like crack, like a puberty voice. Just yeah. like the slightest like yeah. things aren't so good right now. That was like, the closest. I think that was the only time I cried uh, was that birthday, uh, which I think was you my, cried that birthday was my twenty eight. Not to you. I went home. I don't know if I've told. This is the saddest story I have. You want to swap sad stories? I go home. So I go. I get on the fucking last train up to goddamn Sleepy Hollow, up last to, express yeah. train. And I, I walk, and I remember why it's dark, and it's my stupid birthday. Fog. It's like a, it's a le- <laughs> stupid idiot town. And old Pete Campbell tips his hat to me. Uh, I go, it's all uphill. Hooves. You just hear hooves. Uh, I really did hear shit like that. Like, it was such a quiet place. Like, you'd go up and you'd hear nothing. Like, I guess that's nice. I hate it, though. I've yeah. learned that I hate that. So I'm going up the hill, and I'm literally up thinking, like, hill. a wow. huge hill. 
there's some Elliot Smith song that I always used to listen to uh, where he talks about up the hill. A terrible time. You actually, yeah. a great Mulaney quote that was so helpful in that time was like, you get to listen to Radiohead now. Because Radiohead is for people who get broken up with, not people who break up with somebody. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you get to enjoy all that music yeah. that's yeah, for yeah. people that get broken up with. And that yeah. was something that I thought you should have done a bit, too, because my, my ex-wife doesn't get to listen to Radiohead. Fuck you. you yeah, get, yeah, you, you don't get, get Frightened to Rabbit. To you get what? <laughs> frightened Rabbit. That's, that's, all their songs are about recently breaking up with somebody. You actually, one time I broke up with somebody and I was like, I know Radiohead. I called you, of course. And I was like, I know Radiohead is for when I'm dumped, but what do I listen to when I dump somebody? And you went... Happy music. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what like anthem rock is for. Because it's just pure ego that you just broke up with someone. And yeah. you, you hurt someone else, but you're acting like it was a good step for right, you. Yeah. Right, right, right. All you did was make someone sad. Purely selfish. And you act like you did something great. So I, I, go, <laughs> I go up the hill and I get in and uh, my ex was there. And it's so late. There's like 20 minutes left of my birthday. You know when you do that uh, sympathy math, you're like, there's only 10 minutes left of my yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah. I got I it. Not exactly, but yeah. You know, I, I, I mean on birthdays. You're counting down to midnight. And I like, understand what you mean. I've never done it myself. Oh, okay. I see. Continue. I'm sorry that I tried to explain something that was very easy to understand. I come in and my ex assumed I was drunk. She was like, have you been drinking? And I didn't even mean this to be sad or dramatic. And I said, who would I be drinking with i've been alone all day and then that's that was the phrase you know like hearing someone else puke can help you puke hearing my own sad sack phrase is what made me like finally like a single irish tear came out and i was so proud of myself you cried in front of her a little bit okay it it, what did she say she felt like shit yeah i feel like she did feel bad yeah i now that i've imagine and i'm looking at you right now at what is at what a nice golden retriever you are that like (laughs) yeah i mean like yeah lying to you and hurting you would be a sad thing she you know i don't i don't harbor any hate or anger really towards her sometimes i I dream about it and it makes me upset but for the most part i have peace about it and i look back oh you mean is it because your life is 300 (laughs) percent better (laughs) your life career and general mood is 300 percent better i'm so kind and forgiving than when you were married and doing premium blend (laughs) you're telling me you're happier now that you're a rich comedian (laughs) than when you were hosting at the boston and married living in the headless horseman town You're right. What I'm doing is I'm spinning my life being pretty good and blending in some gra- I actually, grace. That your I life have. got so much. Like I told well, you, well, that's what's crazy. She sold I her said, stock. After you do this, once you get through this, you're going to be so much happier because right. you get to, you're going to get to focus on work a lot, right? And you're going to be single, and you were only and obviously the the. Other, you know, asterisk is that you got married really young. So yeah, this yeah, wasn't yeah. like you were getting divorced at, you Well, know, that, that's been helpful in my adult years to, to help people understand that it wasn't that big of a deal. You're like, we were kids. It was 22 to 28. Right. It was as I mean? if we lived together. We were dating and lived together. Yeah, yeah. it's basically like that. 22 to 28? 22 to 28. Wow. It's Still a little, solid amount of time. It's definitely a fucking thing that I have to deal with and apologize for and be like, you know, more deal with. Nobody... Girls haven't really been freaked out that I've dated since then. Haven't been too troubled. No, they by haven't. It. Um, and I forget you're a divorced man. I mean, I, I talk about your marriage a lot, right? But not uh, to you, not yeah, to other yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember your roast joke about you had some great roast jokes. 
I, rem- I can't remember. I always remember Kumail's. He goes, hey, Pete, your ex-wife called. Just kidding. She's too busy with the new baby. Was yeah, yeah, one yeah. that destroyed. I loved it. Everyone yeah, yeah, thought it was yeah. too mean, and I thought it was wonderful. No, that's, that's what the whole thing is, to be mean to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's so many things I want to want to get. This is actually where I was when I called my dad and told him in this office, like right where I'm sitting. Right. It is. Yeah. To me, it's I was like, I was like, here's Pete. He's like, he, like we're contemporaries and whatever. And so you're getting divorced, and you should be divorced. Like that's fine. But I remember that you had to like tell your family, and you go like, oh right. It, to to parents, it was a marriage. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was yeah. hard. that that was the shittiest. I felt, and it was right here. It's insane to me. It was also right here that Baron Vaughn was in this office briefly. <laughs> and Baron, I love you, Baron. If you hear this, I love you. I think you're a great guy. We did not get along in the office, which is weird because I pride myself as someone that gets along with everybody. Uh-huh. But the truth is, you know the real me. If you're playing Street Fighter and stuff, I'm going to be like, hey, Baron, stop it. Like he, and, and he, I like how when you went from talking in the second person, like it's a hypothetical, but like if you're playing Street Fighter, I'm going to be like, hey, Baron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd play video games and it was just a little too loud for you. It just didn't vibe. It didn't vibe. I like to think that that's a little addendum. If somebody, if, uh, if the comics comic writes a book about this office at some point, that is going to be something. If he writes a type pad book, they'll have, yeah. Yeah. Are you writing a note? I'm making a note about something. I love notes. I love notes. Um, but then, okay, we can go back to docs. That was, now that we've, we've Wait, wait, but did you, did you have a further point about what happened? Baron was in this office and what happened? You were calling your dad? The dad story was when was I called... it? Was the story over with Baron? I almost didn't want to tell the dad story. The dad story was I, I told him that it was ending, and he was like, well, sure, you can work on it. And I was like, no. And I didn't even want to like tell them about the affair and everything and that they were... Definitely yes, leaving. yes. And I was just like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to work out. And he's like, it doesn't make sense. And, and then I think I had to tell them. And, and then when my dad hung yeah. up like a bad movie or like a cliche movie and just a sad real thing, he goes... I hear him as he's hanging up say, my son, my son. Like, like God really? looking at Jesus, basically. And I heard him like crying a little bit. My fucking mountain of a dad who I've never seen cry. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. I heard him starting to cry as he hung up. And then and- he asked you how much premium blend paid. <laughs> and, then, and then when you told him, he said, why would they pay that much? Just for jokes or whatever. Before, before, whatever your usual dynamic was. Before E Trade, there was no understanding. Did you? Did you feel There's that two peats before E Trade and yeah. after E Trade? But yeah. did you find in your own family that like the legitimacy came with SNL? Is that when people stopped? A little bit, like um, Christmas. I, um, people started looking at when you I like did a man. Conan O'Brien. When I did Late Night with Conan O'Brien, I feel like... They understood what that was? My parents... Um, yeah, yeah, they knew Conan. My and parents don't stay up for Conan. I don't say that with any bitterness. They knew Conan was a big deal to is. me when I was a, like, a kid when it first came on. So my mom knew from the time I was like 13 that Conan O'Brien was a big deal to me. That I, I told her I was going to go... I was like, I want to do what he did. I want to be a comedy writer and work at the Harvard Lampoon and yeah. then get my own show. And she says, like, I was excited because I thought you were going to like work hard enough to get into Harvard and that I didn't. Right. But I was very much like, I like what Conan O'Brien did. Like, and I was, right. I talked about him as a person. And so she knew what a big deal to me that was. And yeah, my parents like stayed up the first night I was on it and they like, I think they had friends over and they like had champagne and oh, stuff. So they were excited. That's so they sweet. They were always the Mulaney's good about all that stuff. I think they didn't understand how it would work when I moved here. Yeah. And so they were a lot, quieter on it 
not because they disapproved. I don't. I don't know. Actually, I don't think they disapproved. Um, but they had no advice to give. Right. And I think that's tricky for parents because, you know, like they want to give you advice, you know. And my brother's like a lawyer. So my dad is a lawyer and my mom is a lawyer and they could give him advice and stuff. Right. So, but you don't know, like, they, they weren't like, well, you should go, you know, uh, you know, so sign with Rory Rosegarden or, <laughs> <laughs> or whoever was happening in 2003. Your first manager was uh, Nick, well, was Rick Dorfman. He yeah. was great. I, I actually speak very well of Rick. He's given me some good advice yeah. over the years. And was always he never signed me, which I was bitter about. But he didn't sign me because he said, this is so funny. I think I've told you this. I was on the phone with Rick Dorfman. <laughs> and he was explaining to me why he didn't sign me. Graciously. I think I asked him. Oh, I think I remember you telling me this. I was in my mom's bedroom in Arlington. And I was calling him. And it was over the holidays. And, and he, he took the time. And he was like, you know, when I watch you, I just don't, I don't know what you care about. I don't know where, where you're coming from, what gets you angry, what gets you sad. That's and interesting. I, I didn't know at the time. This mm-hmm. is pre-divorce. So I didn't have any real perspective. The, the divorce gave me the perspective. And then, I'm not proud of this, but I said, well, what about Mulaney? Because he had signed you. And I thought we were very similar. And yeah. he went... Well, Mulaney, you know, he, he does have a perspective, and I think he has a look that young ladies are going to like. That's what he oh, said. Oh, Rick, thank That's you. That's what he said. And I was like, <laughs> now I'm perspectiveless and an ogre. I'm both an ogre. Well, what you're forgetting there is that, yeah, that's really funny. Isn't that great? No, Rick was uh, Rick is a great guy and gave me a lot of great advice, and that is really funny that he told you that. Right? No, no, we had no perspective. <laughs> well, Not I did, really. I, I didn't really have a perspective at that time. No, it was like whatever. I had jokes about like the Liberty Bell, but I still would. I still had. Yeah, you know, sure. I, still would. I was just talking to somebody about that last night. Before you're thirty, and you're not. Th- are you thirty yet? I'm turning thirty in a month, basically August twenty sixth. Oh, that's great. Yeah, uh, congratulations. I thank was about you to say. so much. Thank you so, thank you so much. much, Natasha Leggero. Thank you so much. You know that bit? <laughs> Isn't that the same as being a bitch? I think she says. Uh, you're not. So you're not thirty. I was just talking about how it's a requirement to write like shitty jokes, but do them well. Yeah, like I don't bad, think bad, it's maybe shitty trite. jokes. It's just like we, we, we I like think to... of it as like you have all these things saved up in life that are very observational when you get to like twenty, and you do them all when you start, and right. you exhaust everything you noticed from zero to twenty. And I think for a lot of people, it's uh, trivial stuff, right? And that's all you got. You exhaust it, and then you're like, I, those are all the little opinions I'd had, you know? Because you're like not a comedian, but you think of those right. things, right? It's all you have. You think of like just little bits for yourself. You go through your Seinfeld years. And, and in the introduction... Well, I don't know. I mean... Oh, I, no, Seinfeld's great. I'm just saying like so you're yeah, going Seinfeld to do your to version of Seinfeld. I remember, and I don't want to uh, make it awkward, but like it was always so important to make you laugh. So we met. This is weird. We met at uh, Comedy Central, Rafifi. Rafifi you were interning we at, at Comedy Central, though, after I met you. Probably. Yeah. And I remember I saw you perform, and it was just like a very honest thing. I was like, this is my kind of guy. Well, I that's just nice of you to say. I, 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 I don't want to yeah, we sound got along Machiavellian, right but I was like, I'd like to be friends with this guy. Like I said, no, 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 we all think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be like, this is my. Because yeah. when you're starting, it's like, who are you going to be? Your coworkers. Right, right. You know what you I mean? You think about, you see a photo of like, Young Whoopi Goldberg with young Dana Carvey with yes. like some guy that you've never heard of, with right? Like another big fat guy with a mustache that you've never heard of, <laughs> who they tell you was the funniest of all of them. There's always a guy that there's always a guy that died that they tell you was the best one. Uh, of course. Oh, oh. Stu Guffman. <laughs> he was hilarious. 
No one could follow Stu. No one could follow Where's him. Where's Stu now? He works at a carpet store. He um, <laughs> exploded from cocaine, and uh, no one ever wanted to hire him in legitimate show business. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what uh, that's one of those crazy things. It took Richard Belzer a really long time to pop because he was kind of one of those hosts that never really did an act, but he was an amazing improviser. Uh-huh. Whenever I read those books about the seventies and stuff, I think about the Belzer model. Sometimes it takes a long time to crack a guy who can't. Not that he can't, but didn't like doing a traditional act. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So you always find those guys. We know these guys. They're like personalities rather than comedians. Yeah, but sometimes those people... Yeah, I think there's... Yeah, I mean, Bell's is a huge success. Yeah. I think he would... T- I, I can't speak for him, but according to this book, it took him a lot. He got passed over so many times because he could go up and like riff and stuff right, better right. than anybody. Yeah. But he could have been one of those guys in a photo with Whoopi Goldberg where you're just like... Richard Belzer. Yeah, he was this guy. Yeah, but he yeah. didn't explode from cocaine. But I, okay, so I set, I set my, uh, I was like, very, I haven't done this in years, but I was like, I'm going to, I probably haven't done that since that time, but I was like, I'm going to be friends with this guy. I'm going to be friends with Nick Kroll. I'm going to be friends, just as like doing specific shows were goals, I wanted to be friends with Jesse Klein. I wanted to be friends with Kroll. I, is this, am I a sociopath? No, you're not a, soci- a sociopath. Wouldn't want to be friends with anybody. Yeah, I guess. But am um, I, it, does that sound crazy? You sound, no, no, no. That's the way it is. You yeah. go like, oh, I hope that's one of my like contemporaries. Right. <laughs> I saw you do that set at Rafifi. You went up, and you, you, you've always see. This is what makes you so interesting. Is you are America. You're like boy next door. You got like a or guy next door. You know what I mean? Like a regular guy quality. But then you can do weird shit. And you have you, and the one of the first things I saw that I thought was so ballsy was the Wyatt Earp character, and I think it was. Oh, that's so not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I thought was really funny, but that's so like not what I ended up doing a lot. Yeah. I know, right? The character was it was Wyatt Earp, uh, and and I was doing this at places where you could like try stupid things. Yeah, so but I, but it was Wyatt Earp, uh, plugging WyattEarp.com, which he, <laughs> which he just set up. It was yes. like it was as if the cowboy Wyatt Earp. So you went up kind of in a costume with yeah. a mustache. It was like a full like character bit, yeah. And you went up and you had a mustache. And I, I can remember the 10, 15 lines in my life that I was just like, what? Like I'd never heard a joke like that. And you said, you, you did three of them. You went confused and you just said something like, like a cat sniffing dog food. You know what I mean? Like you just had one like that. Confused like a something, something, something. And then the third one you went confused like a young comedian who went into a no, costume like a fella. shop. Yeah. Like a fella. Yeah. Who went, you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who went I, into a costume shop. To buy an Old West mustache and walked out with a funny little French mustache. Yes, because you were wearing the wrong kind of mustache. Yeah, because I had on my way there gone to a costume shop and, and not been able to find a good like, Old West mustache. It's not that I'm humorless now or joyless now, but if, if I saw that joke now, I'd be like, oh, I've, I've seen something like that. Like breaking down the fourth wall a little bit, breaking the character a little bit, but staying in the character, but breaking it. But I had never seen anything at that time, and my, my brain melted. Oh, that's really was like, funny. That, yeah! that, that was a big deal? It was a <laughs> yeah, big deal. I thought it was such a cop-out to be like, oh, I'm going to throw this under the bus it also killed and it then did. It was i can also remember every like the times that i made you laugh like it started becoming this thing i know this sounds a lot like a courtship but it kind of was we didn't know each other i don't mean romantic your face i didn't i know what if you meant face. romantic yeah i, I wouldn't fucking care uh, ro- <laughs> i wouldn't be like whoa 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 excuse me excuse me bro <laughs> there was something on your face that i wanted to address but what, what i'm talking about is young comedians Wanting to be friends with certain people. And then when you go on stage, there's almost an audition. I'm talking about three years into stand-up. There's a little bit of an audition process. Because I can't be friends with somebody that I don't think is funny. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's just a, I, there's a little bit of cruelty to that, I suppose. No, no, no. But, but it's always oh, yeah, in yeah. the so, way. Yeah, it is a real phenomenon where you're like, I want. I'm a fan of that person. I also want to hang out with them. Yeah, because I'll feel cool. Right. And so I want to be funny in front of them. I remember I was still drinking because I was drunk. I was like <laughs> 22, and I was in front of Rafifi, and I had never met eugene merman before and yes. i was a huge fan yes and i did the lamest thing i was like that joke you have about merman man from the sea he had this joke where yeah he told a guy in the place you worked old town uh salem salem uh it wasn't salem no he, he was in colonial williamsburg oh right eugene right. merman was in yes. colonial williamsburg a man asked him what his name was he said eugene merman and the guy said merman man from the sea <laughs> and it's just like a really funny line on eugene's first album and i was like uh, I really like on your album uh, when you say Merman, Man from the Sea. Is that true? And he was like, yep. Uh, and he, so I blew it. And I remember going inside being like, I blew it yeah. with Eugene Merman. And now people blow it with you. So I, as no, he, I, I would. But I bet I'd wonder. Well, I don't know. Well, as he had grace in that moment, he's trying. He had grace. He, well, he didn't go like fucking beat it. <laughs> no, 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 but I was like, oh, this is a smart, funny guy. And he's like, I'm trying to smoke a cigarette. D- right. Don't talk to me. Right. But you you know that, or at least I, I, I'm starting to put together, if a fan comes up and says something, 99% of the time, they just want to say something, you know what I mean, and just yeah. ride it out. You know what I mean? This is a new phenomenon for me. But someone comes up and they say... Oh, ride it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. used to do that with, a bit with Berbiglia, because I opened for Mike Berbiglia yeah. for like a couple of years, and I'd go on the road with him, and it was my first exposure to a comedian with a lot of fans, because Mike was starting to have like... Huge fans from his CDs. It's one of the most offensive things I ever said to Mike was I was like, I don't understand why you're so popular. But I meant it from a business perspective because he wasn't on TV. <laughs> he said it like, how, I, how have you marketed? Your, yeah, 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 that's how really did you funny. do this? Because I'd see but pictures said, on this understand. MySpace yeah. that were people with their homemade T-shirts that were like, yeah. for Big's T's. And I'm like, but what like, the fuck? And he said, I'm famous everywhere but Manhattan. That's yeah, what he yeah, said. Yeah, that's true. That's what he said. So this Sorry is like 2005. Yes. And we'd be in like, you know... Nashville, Columbus, Idaho, anywhere, and there would be all these fans, and they would come up to him, and the bit I would always do is like, because he had that joke about like um, the cracker joke, cracker please, yes, okay. So people would come up to him and be like, it was like, hey, hey man, uh, I'm the original cracker, and he'd be like, what? And they go, um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like they would come up to him with their one prepared. Uh, like line to say that tied into one of his jokes. That's so funny. And then it like they they don't make sense. Right. Like, right, right, right. You'd be like, hey man, figured you want, want to meet the original cracker. And you go like, what'd you say? And they're like, I just uh, love your stand up. And they would just ride out what they had come up there to say for as long as possible. That's that's exactly what ride it out means. Everybody ignores that there's an awkward moment and you just go. You also told me a great Berbiglia thing that I think of all the time when you were touring with him that he'd get off stage and you'd say, how were they? And he'd go, "Eh, I did the album because they weren't good. Oh. Meaning, like, if he didn't like them, well, I, it's I, not that they. I'm sure everyone loved the show. You know what I mean? But if you do your album, it's yeah, because I don't. That, that might have happened once, but I, I should, as a disclaimer, like for he, Biglio, probably he, listen to this. And we love you very much. But no, I, no, not not, I've not done a disclaimer the that we love you. He knows we love him. Yeah, I just mean like I, I he wasn't like 
that really. Maybe he said that once, but yeah. I've thought that many times. I've gotten off stage and I was like, I couldn't. I have thought that too, but I wouldn't put that in someone else's mouth. Yeah, I, I, okay, he might have I'll said say that it. Once, I've yeah. done the album, and yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. I got that from you and Berbiglia. So you were you were talking about you were drinking. Uh, you know, we've never really talked about this. One time, I made a flippant joke. You were <laughs> you said something about me being divorced or something like you were making a joke. And then I was like, people, including me, have a hard time making fun of you. When you did my roast, I made some joke about how you, you made some joke about how you and I would have brunch pretty much every Sunday and would talk about losing our erections or whatever was happening, like some horrible, awkward story. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And then I said, and have, I think I've regretted it since, I was like, we need to get meaner. This roast is as limp as Mulaney's dick. That's uh-huh. all I said, and immediately regretted it. And the crowd like didn't even laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, I've just wounded my friend it's for like no when reason." People, yeah, when yeah, when uh, when someone takes a real shot at Betty White, no one yeah! likes it. <laughs> you well, can call her old and be like, you know, right. call her an old slut. But then when you make a real crack right. about her, like uh, you know, weird marketing of herself, people right. get uncomfortable. But God, we we, we share so much in common. Uh, that, uh, we could go down that path. I think about your bit about all. The time about how sex is so awkward on your knees on a bed rolling on a condom with a stranger remember that bit you've done it like once yeah, at yeah housing yeah, yeah, works yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my show and i you said it and i was like oh my god and neither of us as as we've talked about many times the term fuck guy that conversation is something that you yeah, and you've I, talked about this on your podcast a lot a without lot me <laughs> without you i know i i was on a plane with like i was on a pl- i was not on a plane with anybody i was on a plane Flying somewhere, and I was listening to your episode with Neil Brennan, I think yes, it was. Yes, yes. And I'm sitting there, and you're like, um, me and Mulaney talk about all the time how we're not fuck guys. And yes. I was like, don't, don't, I yeah. will say that. Oh, I just berbigliad you. You berbigliad me. In that episode. But that that's our concept. That that was something that, that you and I came across, and we were always kind of like... But like, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, because uh, it, it was like, oh, I'm, you know, like, uh, t- I have, like, have a moral high ground it was just like you'd go to colleges right and the student booker or someone would be like so and so was here a couple months ago and they hooked up with a girl at the school like people would talk like that and you'd know like oh if you go out and do colleges and and try and hook up with college girls waitresses at clubs too is yeah yeah yeah. like like they remember that i've heard people when you come back and they like don't if you don't handle it well they don't like it right i've heard clubs i don't know if it's folklore or like club lore the idea that they they have like a post-mortem after the weekend and they meet with the staff and they're like how was it did they tip and did they fuck any of the waitresses? And and if they did, like they're banned. You're banned for life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if they ban people, but I have seen uh, comics leave like a weird taste in the mouth of sure, clubs. sure, sure. That's always on my mind. It, sex is so. I'm in a weird place right now where I'm just kind of like sex currently today today on this Sunday does not feel worth it. We're relationship guys. You know what I mean? I, I, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. Relationship. Sorry, guys. I'm just not. Sex seems it. so complicated to me. What it does is, my, my therapist is always talking about RAM in our brain, and when you start having sex with somebody, my brain starts opening all these big programs, like the Photoshop and the Final Cut in my brain, <laughs> and it's Preview. analyzing every possible angle, how they could be feeling, what's it mean. And I know you and I can both be paranoid about pregnancy. I was just laughing with somebody uh, the other day about how uh, if you've ever waited to break up with a girl until after she got her period, it's this like crazy, right, yeah. sad no one's talking about this. It's very uncomfortable. But I've done that. 
more than once. Right. Because if you broke up with them and then they got And then they're like, I'm pregnant. You're like, well, I guess we're back together and we'll never tell the kid about the story or whatever you do. Right, yeah. But like just this insane – like sex is so complicated and takes up so much of my life. I think one of the things – Complicated to us, not complicated to to a lot of people. Not a lot of – exactly. Just the way I'm wired. Uh, uh, It'll always be uh, a big deal. (laughs) It'll always be a big deal. Can I say something uh, without disclosing anything too personal and if you don't like it, we'll just take it out? Yeah, go ahead. You told me that one time you did have uh, casual sex with somebody. Uh-huh. And when you were leaving, I, I don't want to misquote you, but you said you felt like you had punched God in the face or something? Uh, I don't think I said that. I remember telling you, uh, I, I was felt like I was leaving, like, uh, I remember, like, zipping up my jacket I was leaving, and I was like, I feel like I just robbed a bank or something. Right. Yeah. Didn't you hear a cop siren, and you were like, oh, they're here for me or something? Uh... Yeah, I mean, not really, yeah, but, yeah. I, but I, not in that a really sense. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, uh, it's that thing of like, it's that uh, thing in like horror movies where like, if you have sex, you're going to die. That's perfectly it's really put. weird. I don't know what it is about, but it's like, okay, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like a good kid anymore. That sounds really creepy saying good kid, but like, it, I'm not like a uh, good person. I, Isn't that crazy? You'll appreciate that's this. what I honestly. my my therapist and I, I'm only telling you this so that you'll talk about it because people already know how I feel about sex. I was in uh, I was going to a taping of uh, I hate my teenage daughter. The hit show canceled. So I'm in line. We're getting. Some, I don't. It's funny. I didn't. Uh, we'll we'll talk about this in a minute. I'll make a note. Go make ahead. Make a note. I I was getting some liquor because we used to drink at the tapings because we had seen it and you know I'm I'm good on the floor you know what I mean and I can have a cocktail and still be very good on the floor and then uh, we're in line and there was this clearly an LA phenomenon you'll see porn stars out from time to time and this was a this was a pornography star <laughs> and she had these wings on her back she had this open back dress and you could see these huge. Wings, okay. What do you mean a tattoo? Yeah, a tattoo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think because like some girls wear actual like uh, right, fake sure. wings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she these were on her body, and you couldn't even see the whole t- whole tattoo. And I'm in the zone. You know, some of those days where you just feel like talking to everybody. And I we start talking. Nothing. I wasn't like nice tattoo. I want to come on your ass. It wasn't like that. It was just like oh, how's how's it going? And she started chatting wh- about what we were buying. And my friend Kenya, who's actually done one of the episodes, was with me, and she left. And uh, Kenya was like. Dude, she really liked you. Like you guys were vibing, right? And I was like, uh-huh. what, "What am I gonna? What am I gonna hang out with a porn star?" Then cut to Wednesday is when I go to therapy. I tell my therapist the story, and he goes, "Why not?" He's like, "Why not say, hey, you're fun. I'd like to see how far down that tattoo goes." I remember he actually said that. He was like, "Why didn't you say that? Why didn't you say let's get a drink sometime?" Uh-huh. And then and then he what pitched I, the line. I'd like to see how far your my, tattoo goes. My therapist, I love him to death. He's kind of the greatest guy in the world, and he's always pushing me to do things that are clearly hidden desires for me. Because uh-huh. here's my id or whatever acting out, being like, I like porn star tattoo, yeah, 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 yeah. and he's like, Why not follow that through? And what I right. said was. I can't go to drinks with a porn star. And I said, you're talking about, say, a kid. I go, what would my mother think if she walked by and saw me having drinks with a porn star? And my therapist says, the patient said to the therapist. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm a a cliche of a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is this sort of like, I want to be a good kid. Yeah. And sex somehow, not even somehow, I kind of get it, seems like this bad thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know why. It just seems like... Uh, I was remembering this as you said that when I I remember a priest saying, and this is not I don't mean this in a uh, oh I got brainwashed by like Catholic priest 
sentiment. I, sure. I mean this in that like it stuck with me. I was a little older. I was probably in high school. And uh, I remember it more like ruminating on it as like interesting advice. Right. And he was like, everyone is saying now that you shouldn't be uptight about sex. Like you can't be uptight about sex. You can't be uptight about sex. And I think he said something like, even outside of religion, if you're, or this religion or like staying with this religion, if you're going to lead a meaningful, interesting life, like you, you should be uptight about sex. <laughs> and it just stuck with me. Like, and like a lot of people would disagree with that. I'm not yeah. saying I agree with that. Yeah. But it stuck with me as like, okay, that's something you should make careful decisions about. Right. If you're going to lead. I didn't say interesting. I think he said meaningful. It's something. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm just saying like it, it, it was uh, something I've. Always been. What do you, really what do you think he about. means by that? Because th- when I hear that, I think, oh, it's because sex takes up so much of our interest. If we if we are fuck guys, then it's hard to think about other things because you're people that juggle girls, people that are like you know, like being haphazard about it. It seems to take up a lot of their mental and spiritual energy, almost. Yeah, and I'm annoyed by people I know, even friends who uh, spend a lot of their time and energy thinking about that. Right. Like, oh, like, let's go there. Let's go out. We're at the bar. We got to go to the second bar. We're at the second bar. We got to go to this third bar. And and I'm I'm going back a few years. I don't go to bars. I don't do shit anymore. Right, right, right. But like uh, that thing is like it's exhausting. I think I ended a friendship. And it's a little embarrassing. It isn't. It'd be like if you'd like like kept having to like I I don't know like it it you know it's like (laughs) you know it's just like an embarrassing. uh, you're like you don't don't you? It's more like don't you realize? Aren't you a little self aware right now that yeah. like how much you're like? Hey, we gotta go. <laughs> it's like you're like a dude in a movie. Exactly. Yeah. Is it because it's so needy or carnal or know. something? I'm not. You know what? Like, but if if someone was like, we're gonna go eat gravy and then we're gonna go to the pot roast place and there's this great roast beef. I know. Like, yeah. Gluttony. And if like they kept being like what are we still doing here yeah i gotta get us yeah. i gotta get a sandwich there's part like, of me that down. admires the guy yeah that's just kind of like i gotta get it wet you know what i mean i'm just like oh my god aren't you humiliated by that thought yeah yeah yeah. it's almost like it's almost like we're old men i've felt that before we're both kind of like older souls i don't know if you feel that way about me i've been told that and i certainly feel that about you that you've been People older. People have said that a lot. Yeah, that I that like you're an old soul. Well, you're 29, and and we talk. We listen to the conversation we're having currently. Right. We talk a lot about big questions and stuff. But I've also learned as I've gotten older that you're only the age you are. What like, do you mean by that? Like I'm not wiser than 29. I've only lived 29 years. But you have the temperament of a guy. Like yeah, I have specifically a with the it's sex. It's a temperament, but like at the same time, like you know, I don't I don't know what's. Going. I, I still think like the number of years you're alive, the amount of time you've clocked is important. Yeah, I agree with that. But so I'm still nervous and weird in the way like a young guy is, you right? Know, with a little perspective on life, little perspective on career and money and all that stuff. You right. know what I mean? So I, again, I don't I don't want to put my thought in your brain, but do you think that one of the reasons we're relationship guys? Is that when you're in love and when you have a loving relationship and you're and you don't worry about that, like it, it's a it's a constant in your life, and you know the parameters that you are free to let some other parts of your brain, if you let the line out a little bit, because you're not juggling, you're not like when are we gonna go to, you know, <laughs> one of well, Stefan's clubs. Well, I guess so, but um, excellent Stefan shout out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
I, I started thinking about a, a bad club name, and I was like, that's what you've been doing for the past three years. Yeah, I've been thinking of silly club names for yeah, years. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's see, the thing with me is like, I could also be totally alone. Like, yeah. I, like you said, you're in a relationship, so you don't have to think about going to get women. But, like, I'm a very happy oh relationship. But at the same time, like, I was, like, solitary confinement for, like, three, four years. You told me you were a hermit. Oh, a total hermit. And yeah. I remember after my divorce, I said to you, John, what, it, what is – or I called you Doonesy. <laughs> Doonesy, what's sure. it like – to be single, because I had never been single. And you I looked gave at the me, lamest answer, yeah. But do you yeah. remember what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of work done. You get a lot of work done. <laughs> so, I'm John Mulaney. I'm here. Uh, I'm John Mulaney. I'm John Mulaney. It's hard to do with when I'm actually watching Lauren today. <laughs> awful comedian, awful voice, awful person. It's one of the highlights of my life being awful at Kroll's house, and I did my impression of you, and his sister thought you were there. That's well, like, what did you say? I just went, I'm John Mulaney. That's all I did. <laughs> that's all I did. And she went, Mulaney's here? Because I walked in. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you say when you walk in. That was like a highlight of my life. I was like, I've done a good impression. That I would walk in and say, I'm John Mulaney. But uh, let's talk. Oh, that's what I was about to. To ask you about the joke that I made about you once was you introduced me to someone you knew in college and you said this is Pete he's divorced or something and I said oh this is John he used to do cocaine right and oh, I, wait what, when was that we were at Sweet we were at the slipper room oh okay and I realized when I said that I was like we've never really talked about that I only knew that because you did it on stage so right, I, right, right. I kind of oh, like betrayed funny. this information. It went fine. You didn't seem offended. You real lifed me. I real lifed you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's boy. Jesse Klein's term. For when you like take someone's bit and then you bring it up to them in ah! real life. <laughs> She's so great. Like, I never told you that in real life. And yeah. you just took a bit and you real lifed me with I it. I real lifed you. That's exactly what I did. Yeah, but so, I don't remember. It wasn't like a you, you, But you used to say you were like, uh, I know I look young for having done cocaine, but you know who doesn't card is coke dealers, right? Oh, yeah, I yeah, I remember yeah, yeah, that yeah. line yeah, you had. Okay line. But we never really <laughs> talked. I liked it. But you talked. The only thing you really told <laughs> The only thing you really told me about your cocaine use was like, you were up like one night one day you were like up all night again and you were just like i can't i'm not doing this anymore i'm not going to stay up all night on cocaine again yeah i would i would drink a lot and do a lot of drugs and stay up for a long time and that seems uh, so foreign like i know you very well you're one of my good friends I i never knew you at that time and it's hard for me to imagine uh yeah uh people say that a lot but um it it happened, but it, it turned <laughs> off really quickly. Yeah, and that whole side of uh, me turned off very quickly. It I still I still know it's there, but I understand people think I'm like really self controlled or something. Right, but well, you've you've done really great. I'm very uh, proud of your sobriety. Do you remember one time? Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry to say that, uh, but you know I cheat. I take Xanax. I'm not, by the way, right. listeners. I'm not like I just stopped uh, drinking and doing drugs and right. all these things when I was 23. And I basically don't do anything anymore, but I'm also not like uh, a member of a formal program or, you know, I'm not opposed to like taking a Xanax if I'm freaking well, that, out or that, something. That's you know the, what I mean? That's the, a jo- another great joke you made. We were backstage at comics, the great comics that's no longer there. And uh, the first club that headlined me and we were backstage and we were trading pills. I was giving you Xanax and you were giving me Clonopin. Yeah, why were we trading Xanax for Clonopin? They do the same thing. It might have been I was just giving you Xanax. Yeah, that even could better. have been. <laughs> and, and, you, uh, and you said, 
what is show business become? It used to be like rails of cocaine and doing tequila shots with hookers, and we're just trading prescriptions. We're trading anti anxiety medication. It's <laughs> funny I said that, though, because that's like exactly what show business has always been, is people giving each other pills back. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's much more that, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, know that, I know that's your thing. In fact, I, I took half a Xanax last night to fall asleep because I've just been up since... You know, three thirty. We were texting at like three in the morning the other night. Oh yeah, because I'm doing shows. I was doing shows at the Stress Factory, and you just can't come down. And I had to. We were going to do this this morning. I was like, I got to sleep, so I took half of one, and it made me think of you. I was like, Oh, we've been doing this for a long time. That goes to the doc story. But tell me, tell me before we get to current day <laughs> drug abuse, <laughs> current day prescription legal drug abuse. <laughs> tell me, do, you're in college. When did you start doing that stuff? I'd always been interested in drugs from the time i was very young <laughs> really i just i don't know like i just what does that mean interested in drugs like, i just was like not afraid of them from an early age and uh i tried a lot of things from age like you know 14 to 23 so i just like i don't know i just wasn't or maybe I was a little afraid of something, and then I'd try something and nothing bad would happen mm-hmm. i never thought like oh my heart's gonna stop and right. I think a lot of people like my age didn't do things because they thought they would uh, die. Yeah. And I was just like, no, I just knew. I was like, no, you don't die. <laughs> That's weird. You know, I just I was like, maybe I'd read a lot about it or something or, you know, and I'd read like Wired. I knew, you know, I'd read like <laughs> books about people who did drugs. And I, I don't know. I just it didn't scare me in that way. And I was kind of. Uh, it doesn't go in line because we towed the line adventuresome about it for some reason even though i was super uptight as we just talked about about other things well that's what i'm saying you know what i mean grown-ups told us things and we seemed like the kind of people that just took it and i was the same way with drugs they were like uh the devil's real you'll go to hell we didn't didn't have a lot of anti-drug stuff oh really just in life i don't know why and you're right to put it in terms of fear. I had a dream the other night where someone had some cocaine. I think it was Zoe Deschanel. Zoe. Mm-hmm. I've told you about my embarrassing show business dreams before. In I know fact, your uh, embarrassing show business waking state, so I can <laughs> only imagine what your dreams are like. <laughs> well, I told you. It's the recurring dream where I'm at the curtain call of SNL, and everyone's just coming up to me. Bill Hader comes up to me and goes, I love your impressions. You're there. Oh, yeah, Lauren's yeah, there. It's, it's the saddest. Will you tell me yours? You don't what? have to on Mike. My embarrassing show business? Yeah, dream? you shared one with me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Wait a minute. Shoot. Does it involve someone's like name? Yeah. I don't know. It's Wait. either Johnny Carson or, or somebody. <laughs> Johnny Carson? It's somebody like Johnny that. Which, Carson's by the way, dead. we just watched the Johnny Carson uh, I American get, like, Masters the... again. And some of those photos were like, oh, it's Mulaney. Mulaney's back. What? You're Carson. Like looking at the old mean? photos of him, you look oh, like I Johnny looked, Carson. I looked like him, old Carson, like oh, young that's Carson. Funny. I thought he looked like a friend of mine growing up. Actually, I, you don't look like the old like caricature of Carson. You look like young man Carson, and you have a lot in common with him. And you're like, what do you mean a lot in common with him? Uh, he's funny, Midwest. Like, yeah, talking about the Midwest a little bit. Talking, I, I don't know your family dynamic, but he had a, a withholding mother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we can pause. Oh okay, and you can. Just I don't say know why that. I wrote it on a note. No, no, no. When you get back, your embarrassing showbiz dream and Johnny Carson. You know, I just did Marin's and he got interrupted and like he edits it out. And I was very impressed that he jumped right back into it. I was so impressed. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, this guy, like that's his radio expertise and all that sort of stuff. I'm just like, oh, and you went to the bathroom and how's it going? Like we have to like get back into it. Right. But I went me- to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had to pee because I drank uh, so many liquids. I, I understand. It happens to everybody, expelling you know, body cells and stuff sure. like that. Sure. So your embarrassing uh, dream you don't remember? No. I, don't I remember thought it, all. it was Carson. Oh, what I was going to say was you're so naturally funny and you have that Midwestern Thank thing. Thank you. I'm sorry. I like buttering bread and telling people what I think about them, having no, a public I, record. You of don't it. think I like it? Of course you. You don't think I like compliments Mulaney, and telling me I'm like Johnny Carson? Jo- Joe Mandy and I on the regular will sit, will sit around, actually, me and pretty much anybody, but Joe and I did it recently uh-huh. and just talk about how great you are. It's, it's oh, an that's absurd very nice. thing. It's something we all have in no, common. No, it's great. We all have it in common. I've never brought you up and had been like, overrated. Oh, that's very sweet. Everyone's on board. And, you know, er, er, like I've, I've told you this too. Any opportunity that comes my way, I'm like, you, d- you didn't consider Mulaney for this? It's, it's, really, it's really a thing. Well, that's really nice. You know that's true. It's very sweet of you to say. So, You're great. Well, no, no, no. Never when I right. ask for it. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Never when I ask for it. So... This you told me that your your dream was. I thought you correct me because it's your dream. You're on the set of the Tonight Show. Ugh, this is so embarrassing. And I believe it was Johnny Carson. This is nightmare embarrassing to me. I know. I'm so sorry. Because to you, I'll tell you this. Yeah. The same way we'll talk about money. Yeah. Which no one wants to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same way we'll talk about money. This is nightmare embarrassing. This is so much more. Like when you were bringing up sex, I was like, oh crap! Now I have to email my parents and tell them not to listen or whatever. Yeah. That's uh, one of the advantages of having my parents who like still have a VCR, you know. What right, I mean? but my parents have a Google alert and some dipshit will write on like line about this and then yeah. like they'll not not you're a dipshit for writing about it. I'm just frustrated with the uh access. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was very liberating. I, I when you and I, I'd love to do things yeah. that America sees, but my family doesn't. I get it completely. And when I real like I'm talking about like I'm sounding like a sad sack being like my parents don't stay up for Conan. You know how liberating it is to be like my mother will only see what I send her, like no one else. Yeah. I occasionally tell her I have a podcast and then I go, You can't listen to it. Yeah. Like, you just can't listen to it. That, Never. That's good. You said that once on your podcast, you go, This is not for moms. It's not for moms. It's a mom free zone. I love yeah. my mom, but I'm gonna be her son and this show is not hosted by her son you know what i mean it's hosted by right. the full the full personality a separate person so tell your parents not to listen but you said you're you're getting some sort of ovation and i think oh, it's this John- is so disgusting i love it the word ovation is already disgusting i told you that bill Hader, someone you know is right. a big deal to me and comes up recurring dream comes up that to me and goes, you, you your impressions, impressions are better than mine or as good as mine. Right. I don't remember what he says, but the feeling in the dream is, you're one of us. We love Hilarious. you. And I, I have this dream regularly. That's great. I have dreams. Like I was saying, cocaine was Zoe Deschanel. I have dreams regularly. It was Kate Winslet. I have dreams regularly that I'm hanging out with celebrities. Right. I see Green Day in my dreams, and I'm like, what's up, guys? Which yeah, is yeah, insane. Because yeah. you did... Fallon with them? Uh, that was a dream come true. That was literally a dream come true. I met Green Day. Right. You Remember? were doing the same late night talk show. And Trey Cool told me to keep at it. Awesome. Which I thought was so... I would be offended by I that. I was offended. <laughs> I wanted to say we just performed on the same television Yeah, show. yeah, yeah. I know you're selling out. You're one of the biggest rock and roll bands of all time. However, we were just on Jimmy Fallon together. Come right, on. Right. Give me you a little something. Yeah. But nobody said anything. Anyway, uh, so you're getting an ovation. I'm embarrassing you, and I'm so sorry. We can take it out no, if no, you no, don't I want it. it. And I believe it's Johnny Carson. Might be Jack Parr, something like that. You're a classic. I'm not guy. that ridiculous. Comes but up I want to you Jack Parr to compliment him. You're the greatest there ever was. <laughs> <laughs> you're the greatest there ever was. <laughs> oh, that is insane. <laughs> I mean, maybe I said that. I don't know. That's totally bonkers. 
What the hell? Like, no one wants... That's a crazy, crazy thing to say. <laughs> I don't think... It would be impossible. There's no the best there ever was. No, it, I understand what you're saying, comedy, but I, I feel so like, weird. like therapy, dreams uh, can be useful in this because what we're talking about right now is this insatiable interest in show business and some sort of uh, yeah, yeah, getting yeah. ahead. I, I'm disgusting myself right now. Don't think that I'm comfortable right now. But yeah. it's so in us that it's in yeah, our dreams. Yeah, by the way, like, it was funny um, when we were talking about sex and drugs. Like, that's a little embarrassing. Yeah. The drug thing, not even. But, like, really talking about, like, how you want to be yeah. famous is well, what's gross. I texted you the other day. <laughs> it's so much more embarrassing it, than, like, by the way, can we all stop pretending our demons are embarrassing? Like, they're kind ha! of, like... They're great fodder for conversation. They make people like you more. Right. When people see me and I go, right. like, I used to have troubles, they like me more. Of course. So let's act like, you know, oh, I was a lot of stuff I don't talk about. Well, got a lot of demons. I like you know? to think I told that story about my dad cry, and I'm just like, here we go. This is this is good podcasting instead of being like, it's embarrassing. It doesn't embarrass yeah, me. Yeah, right. It is the thing when people go like, Are you aren't you embarrassed to say all these things? I'm like, no, they kill. Right, right. <laughs> this... What's embarrassing is if like I talked about like uh, like, you know, how much you get paid for well, like? Well, these are the things. You're one of those <laughs> five special friends. Of stupid comedy. And I'm sorry to use the term special friend, but like you're a special tier of friend that I can call and talk about anything, frankly and honestly. Yeah. Money is one of those things, and there's certain elements of sex, uh, you know, with relationships that we want to talk about that we only talk about. Mostly, it's me dumping on you, and you're very gracious to listen to that sort of stuff. But you're right. What's embarrassing? Oh, you mean unloading on me, not dumping on me like you're like like making fun of me. Yeah, 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 yeah. unloading. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And what's embarrassing is I did text you the other day, and I had just gotten off stage, and I, and I was like, you know, I did the stress factory, and I was middling there a couple years ago, three years ago, and I texted you, and I said, it's, it's I'm so grateful that like we're doing what we want to do. I know that sounds crazy. I'm uncomfortable right now. No, no, no. Don't be uncomfortable. But you're I one of the to, people I didn't mean to that, make, yeah. that I could text and say like I'm so glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's awesome. And it's not just us. It's our friends. And a lot of that has to do with what we started talking about, which was the idea of locking in on the people you're going to be in a crew with and be like, Hannibal, he's going to be a guy I know. <laughs> Joe Mandy, he'll be a guy I know. And then it does, it's not a coincidence that that's the little harbor that all our boats are in. Yeah, no, it's super – it is really fun to watch your friends who you like, who you have actual – as cliche as it sounds like – actual like – we used to yeah. all sign up for the same open mic things. Like, Completely do really real. well. It's really fun. Well, I saw your head pop up when I had a general with Jesse Klein. You were at a desk interning at Comedy Central. Oh, yeah, Central. when I was an intern at Comedy Central. Yeah. 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 It was wild. Yeah, it's it was like a, a real-life sighting. And I remember, maybe I read it wrong, but you felt a little bit like, uh... Yeah, I hated being like... Uh, I was like, I didn't hate it. It was fine. But I was like working in the office and... and uh, trying to be a comedian. But it's hard. We, there are things that we want, and we want them so badly. I say it on the show a lot. Sometimes it's hard for me to go home because it reminds me of what it felt like to yearn. You know what I mean? When you, when you haven't done anything, uh -huh. pre any credit, it's constantly uncomfortable. I remember being constantly uncomfortable. Right. I was like... Um, I had high self-esteem, but I was like... Yeah, it was like frustrating. Yeah. Because you're like, gosh, I'm this big deal. Right. And no one knows. Right. <laughs> right. 
I think yeah, it's both. It's really, it, when you're like ambitious and young like that, it's kind of you are. It's kind of gross because you do feel like everyone should know, and then yes. Yeah. But then what happens? And this is interesting. This segues nicely into your SNL thing. When you got to SNL, when I, I started writing, there, when you yeah. started writing it at SNL, and I'd love to talk about the audition process and everything. Okay. you told me something that I think about all the time. Which actually, there's so many fucking philosophies, man, that you've taught me, and I'm so I'm so grateful for that. One was uh, you never talked like you wanted to, and you never will talk like you're unhappy at your position. You know what I mean? You taught me like this. What do you sh- mean? Meaning, I was like, oh, Melanie's going to be on camera. Melanie's going to be on camera, and you've never once been like, I hate being a writer. When are they going to bump me up? No, no, no. But that's a whole the the thing about being a writer. There is like you have so much. Uh, I guess freedom and kind of control over what you're doing that's yes. really really gratifying. And I'm not being a good diplomat right nope. now. I'm I'm for real. But that. there are times when we should be good diplomats. And that that's something that I learned was never two things, never talk shit about the job you have. We've seen that bite people in the ass. I know yeah. that's bitten people in the ass. We also know people who were not quiet about what they wanted and that's got exact- it. That's exact. Okay. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Well, that's the balance My that you have to walk. My approach is to be like Super humble and polite when I enter situations. Yeah, and I, I'm not. But that that, that fucking... I'm just not saying like I, I'm a. Uh, I'm not saying like I am at my core like always humble and. But that works. Kind, you know what I mean. That it that, works. There's an evolutionary. Some people don't do it, and it works for them too. That's true. But look at Letterman. Letterman, uh, you know, didn't get the Tonight Show and stuff. He talked about with Charlie Rose. He was talking about how. He is the kind of guy that would be like, thanks for the job. I'm not the kind of guy to ask and backstab and push my way into something. If you want me to do The Tonight Show, I'll yeah. do it. If you don't, he didn't get it. He's nice. He's a Midwestern nice he guy. He left, yeah. Even though you know, we know he can probably be tenacious or whatever. Yeah, whatever. But he's also a kind guy. I don't know if he can be, but I'm assuming he has that side. Same thing with Conan. Conan, also on The Charlie Rose Show, talked about being the kind of guy that isn't going to like stab people and manipulate and yell and yep. freak out. Nice guy. Yeah. It works. It's it's really who they are and it really is who you are. And it's also you just you couldn't do it or I couldn't do it any other way. Exactly. I would just like if I came into a situation cocky, it would just it wouldn't seem real everyone right, would see right. through it and it fall apart right somebody actually at the stress factory was like it's interesting because on stage I'm so they were like you're so confident on stage it's not at all what I was expecting and I was like oh I like to play in that space for an hour you know what I mean the untouchable space for an hour that's one of my favorite Mulaney quotes I have Mulaney quotes where I was like it's, there's no better feeling in the world than being at whiplash and you're in the middle of a joke and it's crushing and you know and you said I believe in your back pocket you have the line like a clenched fist so they're just leaning their chin towards you, and you know you have the line, capital T, capital L, <laughs> that you're about to smash them I in love the face these, with. Y- hearing you repeat things I might have said, Differently. you say them better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I probably mumbled my way through that, being like, you know, because like, I had a tag and I know <laughs> And then you phrased it as if I was like, and when I'm up there in my spot, and they come leaning with their chins, and I know, brother, brother. Because, brother, you're a fellow comedian. Like, I'm Larry Miller. <laughs> and you just pop them. Uh, Whenever and I... when you got that line, brother, and you <laughs> pop them. That's right. That's right. I'm, I'm always interested in the episodes you listen to. You went right for Larry Miller. And, uh, I think I've... I don't know. I've heard most of them. Oh, really? Wow, Probably, I didn't, right? I didn't know that. Here's the thing you told me about SNL that I think is fascinating. Uh, you got there, 
And correct me if I'm wrong about this. I'm really big fishing. Remember the big the story of Big Fish? Uh, the movie Big Fish? <laughs> the story Big Fish. I call fish. it the story. Uh, <laughs> Remember the story of Big Fish? I'm really big fishing you is that like – because these stories, you're so, you're so important to me that I – when you were starting SNL, I would fantasize what that was like for you. So I have, right, 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 I have yeah, memories yeah. of your memories, you know, if that right, makes sense. Right, right, yeah. So what I, I thought that would be like – yeah, I have that with – yeah, with like – You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you and Kroll and people, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've did, I did the first day with you. You know what I mean? The office is probably wrong. But you walked in and – correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody – one of the writers came up to you and said, do you feel like a fraud or something? Oh, actually, I believe that was Chevy Chase. But somebody said to you like – we all feel like frauds, and then he gave you a uh, a moleskin. Oh yeah, notebook. Steve Higgins. Yeah, he said, "Do you feel? Do you? F- I guess it was maybe a. F- I don't know if it's a fraud. I think or- fraud is what someone said to Chevy Chase. Uh, do you so feel like uh, you shouldn't be here? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah do you yeah, feel yeah. like you shouldn't be here? And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Good. That means you should." It was uh, something yeah. like that. That's you know, it was sort of like I, all of us have no idea what. Uh, well, one, in a very practical way, like none of us have any idea what we're going to write the next week. And like no one here is like, yeah, I got this. Right. You know, right. In a good way. Yep. And you got it. And he gave you the Moleskin notebook that said. Yeah, he gave me a really nice Moleskin Night notebook Live that said Saturday Night Live on it. Yeah. And you were like, I'm here. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. That sounds he's a wonderful I, person. I, that, that made me love that guy who I've, who I've never met. Let's talk a little bit. I, I, I bet people are interested in the SNL thing. You auditioned with Kroll and TJ. Yeah, and I, I was there. Remember, TJ? Uh, there was a little bit of a debacle with TJ, which we've talked about on the show before. It's not a secret. You and he talked about. Yeah, he w- he was he was you know, drinking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that one, so I don't know what he said. Well, the thing I also don't. I was there, but I don't remember what happened. He, he also TJ is honest. You know, I was going to say hand to God is the kind of guy that can drink a pint of vodka and and be the same guy, right? You know what he, I mean? But, yeah. Um, so it's not like a sign of him not taking it serious. No, 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 But he no, was no, very conflicted no, no, about, it, like, he yeah. wasn't sure if he wanted it. You know what I mean? And he knew oh, it was a six-year contract. And he was like... But I'll I- tell you, he was really... Um, I remember running my audition at, like, Death Ray or something. And, uh, gosh, the show right after Death Ray. School night? No. They, um, oh. No, this was a few years ago. At Death Ray, the show after Death Ray. I remember, yeah. It was... Uh, was it... Did, Jimmy Dorehouse? No, I can't remember. Anyway, I remember that show. That was the show we you were did running on our, our auditions right, yeah. and stuff yeah. before we. Because I happened to that week be in L.A. when I found out I had I was going to audition for Saturday Night Live yes. out of nowhere. Yes, Kroll and I and TJ were running our auditions, and it was really fun. I remember all of us backstage, mm-hmm. honestly, like helping each other with our auditions. That's right. It was really fun. You gave uh, Kroll the line "Bicycle on Wall," I believe. Yeah, for a character. Yeah, I, I, character I, had a bicycle. I don't, I don't mean to out. Kroll as not writing that line. I just no, mean no, like no. I just uh, I, I was more trying to think of what the context was that yes. I could put it in right now. It's kind of like an oh hello character. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, he yeah, was yeah. like, I live in apartment with bicycle. I on live wall. in studio apartment with bicycle on wall. <laughs> <laughs> and you did George Takei. This was stuff that we at this point. You, yeah, you were, I done on best week ever. Is that right? Yeah, I always remember you did the the live long and prosper, and you talked about his frozen face. These hands are also frozen. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think to myself, these are also frozen. Yeah. All all yeah. the time. Uh, That's also one of Conan does that character. George Takei. He talks about when he lived with uh, Jeff Garland that he used to do a couple things, and one of them was George Takei. Oh, weird! I Isn't didn't that know weird? That. That's I'm really always cool. tying. I'm trying to make you sound like this mythological character that's like tied to Carson, tied to Conan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Johnny Carson once told me that I was the greatest there ever was. <laughs> that was the time I met him. I got an ovation. <laughs> 
What a gross story. It's the best. If I said that, I'm going to run into traffic. After this. <laughs> Never. So you you audition at Thirty Rock as as an on, on camera Conan guy. Stage, yeah. Oh, on Conan not stage. on uh, not on the Eight H Studio. And you went out and it went well. Yeah, it was, you did. It, okay, it was. Uh, Really fun, and I knew I was not going to get it. How's that? Well, I just thought, you know what? No. I thought, okay, there's a chance they might be like, this is someone to take a shot on. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think I was. I was like, they have a lot of uh, white dudes like me, of my height, who can uh, do what I do, who can do what Saturday Night Live is much better and, uh, but isn't that kind of like at the job? Isn't that how you're supposed to feel? I'm sure Fallon, when he auditioned, was like, I, I, there are people that can do this better. I have no idea, yeah. I can't put thoughts in. But his I was head. also more of a stand-up. So I was like, I was more of a, like, hi, I'm John Mulaney. Here's, here's my thoughts stand-up, right, right? Right, And I did, like, some characters, and I'd done some impressions on Best Week, and I... Oh, you did Donald I, Trump? I did that bit about Donald Trump that has Trump in it. Right. You know? It was kind of a stand-up character hybrid thing. Right. And I, I just wanted to do well because I did not think I was going to get it. So I was like, just be funny. Yeah. Like, don't, don't try to suddenly become John Leguizamo. Like, right. just, like, right, right, right. be as funny as you can. And it was really fun. Yeah. And it, it went well. And yeah. I remember walking out of there and I was like, oh, that's great. I'll have that story that I, uh, I guess I hadn't met Lauren Michaels, but I saw, I was like, oh, I got to audition for Lauren Michaels. I'd be able to tell my kids right. that or whatever. Did he laugh or anything? I know that's kind of a trick question. They, I think he did. I know Seth, the, I, people laughed. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd hope so. I, I actually have never asked him. <laughs> <laughs> then Lauren became a guy who loves you, which I think is just incredible. I, I know that's an uncomfortable thing for you to say. What I mean is you became a guy on the show that wrote on the show that on a show that everybody buffers your expectation by saying you're not going to get on, you suddenly became this guy that got on a lot. Got on what? Got sketches on the air a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there were runs where you'd have one on every week. You'd have two on. Yeah, I did very well uh, uh, right away because um, I joined up with uh, two things I think really helped. One was... My first week there, I started writing with Simon Rich and mm-hmm. Marika Sawyer, who are both amazing writers. And the three of us wrote as like a little triumvirate for like three years. Mm. And we wrote a lot of stuff together. And I also started writing with Bill. I wrote a sketch with Bill and Andy the first week I was there. What was that? It was a uh, Michael Phelps was the host and it was a Mark Spitz talk show. Uh Spitz, you know, was the guy that whose record Michael Phelps had broken. Okay, so it was uh, like still, still writing that with them, like the hardest I've ever laughed at that job. That was really exciting. That was my first writing night there. We wrote the sketch that, like, it was really like the three of us laughing so so hard at these bits that, uh, and I was new, so imagine how like, oh my god, more exciting it was. Yes, but I was like. People uh, like I got uh, got along with and sensibility wise liked a lot. Simon, America, and Bill. We wrote a lot together right away. So, you know, if I was like off on my own, and sometimes new people come in and they don't quite make, um, they don't have you know people they can collaborate with immediately. Like it is tough. So I was very lucky. It goes a little bit back to what I was saying about the me deciding to be friends with you. 
you got to SNL and you're like, I'm going to be, you know, it's more of a work environment, but you're like, these are my, these are my people. Yeah, we hit it off and it was like, hey, do you want to write something? Yes. So I I feel like that's something that we don't talk about enough on the show is the idea that, you know, we're all these lone wolves. But when you pull back the lens, just a micro, you know, whatever that would be called, uh, you'll see Oren Brimmer standing right next to me. For everything I've done, it's because I have Oren. You know what I mean? Right, right, For right. everything I've done, I, I, I've had guys like you, people that are helping out and all that sort of stuff. So you form this alliance, which is also, uh, which is wonderful. I was going to say diplomatic, but gracious of you. I'm sure you're killing it as well. And then you start getting on the show. And then, and then next thing you know, you're, you told me that you would be like pitching jokes to Steve Martin and stuff. I got to do that once. That was really cool. I got to pitch Will you jokes tell him for what a monologue you, you wrote. Um... Yeah, what was it? It was oh, I the Obama this joke. Thing. I just uh, this is not like cor- this was not correct for Steve Martin, but I just thought of this joke and it seemed like attitudinal, attitudinally like yeah. he might do. Yeah, yeah. So he was talking about like you know how there's been an election and the country's all different, and I was like maybe it could be like people keep saying you what you can't make fun of Barack Obama. You know what types of jokes could you make about Barack Obama? Hello, black jokes. <laughs> Which is not like no host would say that in the beginning of the show. That's offensive to a lot of people, but it's not supposed it's the, to be. You made it more Steve Martin because you said that to me once, or we were talking about that once. You made it more Steve Martin just there with the hello. Like that's in his. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to write for like a sort joking. of a weird, my own interpretation of. of, of but you Steve told Martin. me. See, but I a, got to pitch him jokes. That was really exciting. And because yeah. he's a hero of both of ours. And you he's told Steve me, Martin. I know. He's a hero of a lot of us. Steve Martin and Lauren and a you. That was the room, right? And Seth. And Seth. It was very cool. Yeah, it was one of those. Yeah, it was very cool. Can I, can I say one thing that I've been proud of my entire career is that uh, when you wrote the Trump joke, which you auditioned for SNL with, you always had the line where you're like, Donald Trump is like what a hobo imagines a rich person to be like. <laughs> yeah. Remember like you the, did this? Trump heard a hobo under a bridge was like. Yeah. Oh, it's like, as soon as my number comes in, yeah. I'm going to have tall buildings with my name on them. Yeah. Fine golden hair. Okay, fine golden hair yeah. was the line that used to kill me. I loved fine golden hair. Yeah. I loved, um, I'm making myself sound cool here. I don't care. You said fine golden hair, and it never would work. It didn't work, like, well. It didn't work well. You'd do it. This is maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd even do it at like a Rafifi or something UCB, and it never got what you thought it deserved. What we both thought it deserved. <laughs> what I thought fine gold yeah, hair. It deserved. didn't get the ovation and the "You're the greatest there ever was" that you thought it. Johnny deserved. Carson told me that ah. after a great ovation. Yeah, and then and then I told you, like you can't lose fine golden hair. If you cut fine golden hair, uh, I will punch you in the in the neck. So then you do Conan, and I'm watching you on Conan, and you did Trump. And you said fine golden hair, and it pretty much got an applause break. That line. That was really funny. You yeah. called me after, and you were like, fine golden hair worked. And you were like, thank you. I'm, I'm tooting my own horn here, but that's fine. It's my show. No, no, no. You know what also helps, though, is when you have a line that doesn't get a laugh, and someone who you trust and yes. think it's funny goes, I love that. Yes. Then you love it. Right. Okay. So, like, in your performance, it comes through that it's your favorite part of the joke, and I yes. think that does help the audience. Right. I have. I have. A, there are a couple of little things where, like, I'm not trying to be cheesy, but like, I 
uncontrollably smile when I do them in a bit because it's like completely with this, you. Here's my favorite part of the joke. Yep. And you might telegraph it a little, and sometimes people enjoy that. Some of the, I think, of course, just I think, a theory. I, I think I've built a persona on the on the idea that people enjoy someone enjoying their own work <laughs> because that's I, hilarious. Yeah, I, that's I say, you. Yeah. I have a line where I talk about a pimp, and I see a pimp, and he's dressed exactly like what you picture a pimp in. I say it's as if he went to a costume <laughs> shop, asked for the pimp, and then proceeded to actually pimp within it. And then this is the line that kills me that doesn't even get that big of a line. And they go, and then never returns it, as is the pimp's way. <laughs> never works. Right, right, right. And every time, I'm laughing now. Every t- I, I told that joke, what, six times this weekend? Every time I laughed. And it was a real laugh every time. Is that the end of the time. bit? No, no, no. It keeps going. Oh, that's funny. Because I thought for a second, because I have a lot of jokes where like the last part isn't the best. <laughs> and then, ah. and I end and I and it like the joke's over and yeah. it's just like as is the pimp's way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. like hey. let's talk a and little. And then I have to transition to the next thing on silence. It's so poorly planned. Yeah. You know, has has your stand up writing procedure changed over the years? Because I, I kind of feel like I just assume that you're like me now, in that your bits just come from things that you say or think, and you're you're kind of. Uh, you're at that frequency enough that you're just like, oh, that sounds like a bit, and I'll try it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like try to sit down and write jokes. Like, oh, I've got four free hours. Yeah. I thought for a long time that doesn't work. Like, I was like, oh, that, I was like, oh, that's bullshit. You can't just sit down. Like, but it kind of it does a little. Like, showing up and sitting down and deciding. Like, you you'll go. You might write bad jokes. Or you might write crap. But like. I've always, if you push through it, like you do get your brain going. Right. But I really was a person that was like, oh, I just come up with bits by like having conversations and doing sets and things right. like that. That usually comes later, but you're, you're returning to kind of like, when I started, I would sit down and try and write, but you're still incorporating that? Yeah, I try to. You I have, mean, I don't know. I, I feel like I have I w- no process. I wonder if that, that's where lines, one of my favorite lines of yours is you go, uh, I've been traveling a lot lately. Traveling can, uh, you know, be lonely. Oh, I said that wrong. Life. Or no, not traveling. What is lonely. the word? What is the oh, word? Oh, better. Life. Not life. traveling. What is the word? What uh, is the word? Anyway. Life. That's a much better what setup. What annoying delivery I have. It's the best. Um, it's the best. Thank you for saying that. And then, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this on the record. You told me, I think it was South By or, or one of these. Uh, it wasn't South By. It doesn't matter. One of those music festivals. And Louis C.K. told me you had the joke of the fest. Do you remember this? He told me I had the joke of the See, fest? See, you know what's funny about this? I, I'm realizing now talking to you. That I, when you tell me a story, I picture it in full living color and see where you were, what Louis was wearing, what you were wearing, what you looked like, everything. When he told you this, he told you you had the joke of the fest. You told me that you took Which a joke? walk with him and he told you. Oh, no, that's two separate things. I took a walk with Louis C.K. at Bonnaroo. I got this is so lame. No, I love I being lame. I took a walk with him and it was awesome. I got to talk to him. You know what I mean? Okay, yes. That was that would okay. be a big deal. So that for was me. exciting. And I and he said. Uh, so you do stand up and I mainly, and I said, I also, uh, just wrote for, I just finished writing on the first season of Dimitri Martin's show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to write some, you know, so I get some writing credits that way people, you know, I was like, cause maybe if I like work on a show, I was trying to sound fucking like sophisticated in yeah. front of him. Like yeah. I get how, uh, TV development works. Right. Uh, it's funny how we audition. I was for like, people. yeah, how you audition. I was like, oh, I figured if I get some writing because I knew he'd written a so right, lame. Right, no, no, no. This is the lameness I that like, I like. When I talk to Marin to this day, I'm trying to tell him interesting things about my life. So I'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we do an hour? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. I was like, I figured, you know, if I have some, I was showing him how shrewd I was. 
that I could be like him. I was like, if I had some writing credits and I do stand up, you know, it'd be easier to develop a show. And he was like, oh yeah, but they'll then they'll just call you a writer. And Is I was that like, what he said? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just kind of being like, oh yeah, but that's uh, you can also just get labeled a writer by writing too, right, right. Which does you know as. Uh, uh, can't happen. I, I don't want you to. I'm not. He didn't say that though. But oh. I'll tell what was. Uh, uh, someone said that. Maybe like Galifianakis. I had a joke that was like. Uh, no, it was him. He told you he had the joke of the fest. But what was the joke? Uh, you read the New York Post, and sometimes they get the headline wrong. That's that wasn't him. That Are was, you that sure? Was, I think that was Zach Galifianakis. God, this really is big fish. I'm blending all the stories into this. No, idea but it was like this Bonnaroo thing. You know, it was like Bonnaroo was like. I, I probably came back from Bonnaroo and told you, like, I met everyone I like, and I said this to this person. Because I'm a safe space where you can talk, and it's a real but feeling. now that we're speaking to a larger audience, I know. I'm, I'm making fun uh, of myself They're so it. nice. They're great for it. <laughs> they're uh, great good. for it. Can I, this is, I don't want to give you a launch pad to do what you never do and complain, uh, <clears> but me having been now, I didn't write for SNL. It's different. You're talking about the control you have. You're talking about the interaction you have with the, with the actors and all that sort of stuff. It's a completely different environment than what I was doing, which was like, you know, nine to you know, nine to eight or whatever every day writing for a TV show, like a regular TV show. Right. But when I hear Conan O'Brien talking about his time with the Simpsons, which is a dream come true, he'd tell you the same or writing for SNL. He talked about his, a little bit of a frustration of the performer. In fact, now that I'm not writing for TV and I'm trying to do stuff for myself, people that I wrote with will write me and be like, Oh, you, you want to do something and be the center of attention. That doesn't sound like you because in the room, I was dancing, I'm rolling on the floor, I'm doing voices. Right, right, yeah. Every day started with, like like an ADD child, would watch videos I had yeah, made. Yeah, Dan Mintz also <laughs> wrote at uh, Important Things with Dimitri Martin, and he was like, I, I can't remember, because on Mondays or something, we would have a pitch meeting at uh, Dimitri Martin. He would be like, yeah, Mondays we have pitch. Or for Mulaney, it's like 10-minute performance pieces. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got the mints in, too. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> That's a great mint. That's a great mint. It's a great, but did you ever feel that? Do you, or do you ever feel that? Because one of the things that's amazing about you is when, I, when we I'm were in shrugging. New York People at the can't same see, but I'm time. shrugging. Yeah, you're shrugging. It's a podcast. When we were in New York at the same time and you started SNL, I was like, well, there goes Mulaney. We're not going to see him anymore. Still saw you. Still saw you doing stand-up. Still somehow I see you in Montreal and you're running your new hour. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, fuck but this that's guy. The thing, like, Where was that material coming from? Okay, well, SNL's 22 weeks a year. So I was able to do stand-up and I was able to like do an hour special and I was able to like do late-night spots and stuff. Right. So I was always able to do... I was always able to perform. And uh, friends at the show like were awesome about you know, uh, there's there's not there's not like a status thing. Obviously, there's not a status thing between cast and writers where it's like you know, you're a right. I mean, everyone would be like, I you know bought your album, I saw your specials. Oh really? Released. Yeah, people are incredibly nice there. So uh, and supportive of all that. That's great. I, and then, and then the thing is, I honestly like I'm not uh, as a performer. I kind of aspire to be more like a my point of view stand up comedian. And rather than like, and that's not quite what Saturday Night Live is. Right. So like I, I write a lot for people that can do things that, that I cannot do. And I'm not being humble. Fred and Bill can do shit I just can't do. Andy right. can do shit I just can't do. Right. Like Stefan, I suppose. Yeah, like that, like the, or, uh, or impressions or whatever. I mean, right, it's like right, right. things where it's like, it's just a, 
a, a different tuned instrument, and it's right. and it's one that I don't have. Right. And, although for you, real, like I mean, like if 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 I wrote for, uh, I'm trying to think of a show. Scrubs. No, I'm trying to think of a you know straightforward comedian's show or maybe a late night show. Maybe if I wrote for a show where there was a host that was like me, I would I would maybe get frustrated. But right. Saturday Night Live is like I get to kind of indulge a different side of my brain. Right. Because I get to write like sketches set in the old west. Right, you right, know, right, like, right, right. Or uh, You told me it was like writing a work play. Work on Beauty and the Beast things. Yeah, like you have a set, you have a whole world, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also like it's different writing. It's like premise-based writing where you just explore clever little situations sometimes. Right. Uh, you know, sort of like whimsical things, and like what I, I guess I was doing stand up is kind of like my opinions on things. So they're they're different, right? I get that. Although you were you were great on uh, update, that was a big deal for oh, me watching oh, that. It was a big deal. For me I was too. really I was really nervous. Oh yeah, I was so nervous because it's live and it's terrifying, yeah. and you do the you do roll. Yeah, in. what if I like fainted and said the n word? You know, like. <laughs> For real. Oh, it's so scary. Even the chair roll. Chair rolling on a when wood you floor. Chair a chair rolling on a wood floor. Yes. How chaotic is that? Yes. A swivel chair on a wood floor. A you polished have to. wood floor. You have to, though. Uh, I always imagine that uh. the chair only has like two inches and then there's a fall. There's a rope. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's like you stop yourself on the desk. And, right. Hi. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did that twice. Yeah. I, I remember that. That was, that was really, really great. Thanks. I don't, I don't, I don't. You're welcome. Okay. Should we tell the doc story or should we talk about I'm not going to tell the doc story just because. Because you do it. Yeah. Right. But it was across the street was a clinic where I tried to Dr. get. Dr. Chewy. Yeah. You know, I saw, uh, I saw that Dr. Chewy. I saw that Dr. Chewy. Why am <laughs> I I'm hesitant about telling every story? I, in real life, I, I went back there like a year ago. Yeah. Because I they'd given me a clonopin prescription, I tried to get a refill, and they were like, they were like, oh, I just was so uh, like suspicious. You know? They were like, "Are you doctor shopping?" I was like, "No." They said that I get thirty clonopin every two years. Give yeah. me them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me them right now. I gotta tell you, in Los Angeles, I went in to get some Xanax, and uh, again, not not a heavy Xanax user, but like having it. It's comforting. Yeah. The doctor I got them from last, I said. I'd like some Xanax. And she straight up didn't say what was it for. She didn't ask any questions. She went, I love Xanax and wrote the prescription. Asked me how many I wanted and, and what size. And what I was, doctor is that? <laughs> That's not even true. Jet Blue still fly to LA. <laughs> the second time was a doctor and I called him. And I talked to his... I really don't like prescribed... Sorry, go ahead. Well, that's what they were like over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said... uh, He also told me... Find New York State law. I mean, don't they sell like pot now? (laughs) Yeah, everything's legal there. Dr. Chewy told me, he said, uh, when I was divorced, he was like, if you're still depressed in six months, we should put you on something. Or if you're still sad. And I was like, you're putting a a clock on post-divorce cheating sadness? And you're putting it at half a year? And then yeah. I go on something. You're a loon. I just want some Xanax for when I'm flying, you know, and it gets bumpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Well, that's what I say I want it for. Right. Well, <laughs> let's let's talk about. It's not for turbulence. It is sometimes. <laughs> uh, it's not for me. <laughs> I'll go on record. I mean, like, you get really, really, really stressed out. Yeah. And I'm home, and it's ten at night, and yeah. I have nowhere to go, and I have no machinery to operate. Right. And I want to be really calm all of a sudden. And right. so that's what's good about 
uh, benzos. Is that what they're called? Benzos? I think so. I don't well, know. Let's talk about anxiety because I am in a really there's all this stuff that I want to talk to you off mic about too. Believe sure. it or not, there are We're topics gonna, that, much we, more that we don't conversation that, that conversation's gonna be like Ugh. not appropriate. I won't have to tell you about my SNL audition. <laughs> Regurgitate the details. I take the elevator up to the sixth floor. <laughs> Bing, they open. And who do I see? Lauren Michaels, me. John Mahe from Chicago. Standing there in the same room as Mr. Bobby Moynihan. Hand to God. I actually have Stefan on here. You're Hilarious. a good friend of mine. And I'm asking you, tell me about Stefan. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not Podcasting is so that. different from morning radio. Ah, that hurt. Do you get along with the cast? Can I, oh, my God. I think this will be out. We haven't talked about it on the show, but I think by the time this airs, it'll be out that I'm doing that pilot with Conan, and I wanted to quote you, your reaction. You're doing a TBS pilot. I'm very proud of you. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate that very much. And you were, of course, like the first person I told, and you're in my car in L.A., and I told you, and what you said, which I thought was just the perfect response, you went, real jealousy. That's what you said. Like, that's you, hilarious. You addressed it, but that's, that was like real and that's how I knew that you 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 were like I'm very happy for you. Yeah. But not addressing the jealousy would be artifice. You know. Yeah. What I, mean? I remember reading something about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, and that the, in it they, they said the expression he had grand envy for Woodrow Wilson right. getting to be president during right. World War One. Yes. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like that. It's not petty. Like it's part of it. Envy, envy, and jealousy, like on a grand level, really yeah. exist and should. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had that for every late night set you've ever done. I've had that for SNL. I've had that. I remember dropping off a packet to SNL while you were working there. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And just being like, my good friend. Chum McKnucklehead is, you know, 13 floors above me right now, and I'm dropping this off to an intern who's going to throw it away, which is fine. <laughs> throw it in the garbage. That's show no, business. I get it. it. But, like, jealousy, it's like the highest compliment that a comedian can give another comedian's bit is, like, anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's It's going, like, I wish that yeah, was like, my I'm really bit. angry about that, yeah. I hate that you I had thought that about bit. that idea, and yet yep. you did it. For, yeah. Really. So the best thing you can get is a fuck you from a comedian. That's the yeah, best yeah, thing yeah. you that's can really get. That's really fun, yeah. Uh, but anyway, where, where were we? I don't know. You wrote down Stefan. Yeah, but I was about to take you take you somewhere. Oh, anxiety. Right. So I want to talk about. Okay, so I have that amazing opportunity. Right. I go through these times where all I do is smile. I'm in cabs, looking out the window, smiling and feeling happy. You know what I mean? That's part of the day. Then another part of the day is I feel like I'm wearing a backpack. You know, uh-huh. filled with bricks. Uh-huh. I got stress in my body. Mm-hmm. I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. You said I look thin. I'm. This is panic. You're looking at. Oh, panic. you lost panic weight. Yeah, I, I'm on the panic diet. Oh, wow. I'm not drinking because I can't. I can't enjoy things. Now, I'm not complaining. This oh, because you're exactly, working on the pilot. This is ex- yes. This yeah, is when exactly I got hired at where SNL, I want to be. When but I let's got talk hired at SNL yeah. that August, and it's August in New York, which is a very just stressful time in general. Like something's up in New York in yeah. August. It turns into a '70s movie. <laughs> There's like pimps and cops. <laughs> Screaming at each other. Like, everything feels like Times Square. It's really, like, taxi driver-ish. Uh, like, people are like, get out of my way, Pecklewood. Like, it's like that type of crazy energy. And I was walking around with, like, fire. I got a call from Seth Meyers that I'd been hired yes. while I was at dinner with my mom in Chicago. And I got, like, a fire pit in my stomach. That I'd never, that I'd rarely ever had before. And it stayed for like, I couldn't finish dinner. And it stayed for like 
like two weeks. Oh my god! Like like real fear of I've, messing it up. I feel like I'm starting stand-up. real fear. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Fear and sadness from fear. Yes. I the first time I did Conan O'Brien uh, late night, uh, I was walking right near here. I left this office. It was February uh, 2006, and I left this office, and it was snowing, and I was going to do Conan the next day, and I did a set at Gotham Mm -hmm. to run the set. It Mm -hmm. only went okay, Mm -hmm. which is fucking awful Mm -hmm. when you run like a TV set, and for whatever reason, it doesn't go well, and then you Mm -hmm. go like, I'm dead. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the same thing on television now. I'm walking around right outside here, and I was like, this is really sad. Like, I was like, I'm 24, I'm going to bomb tomorrow, <laughs> and it's really too bad. Like, I really wanted to be a comedian, and everyone's mm. going to see me bomb, mm-hmm. and it's going to go really badly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'd been so panicked about it that I got tired and sad, because I couldn't be stressed anymore. Right. I am not... How shitty is that? It's crazy. Yeah. But it just is it the same thing with appetite and sleep? Like yeah, no appetite. I'm like a crazy. I can sleep because crazy I people. exhaust myself from being stressed. Yeah. Actually, that being said, uh, I think I slept 13 hours last night. 13 That's hours. Good. Because because you were at the stress factory. I'd, ah, but I, I was stressed and I was working at the stress factory. But I w- I would wake up after eight. Then you go back. Uh-huh. You know, as as Bill Cosby says, I go back to the bank and get another deposit of That's sleep. Funny. Go back, and I would just keep going back because it, it like it, these are the kind of conversations you and I have. Because on one hand, fuck you, Pete, fuck you, man, that is a dream come true, and then no one can relate to the poor guy who goes, "I sure am stressed about it. Don't want to blow it." You know what I right, mean? Right, right. But it's a it's a it's a weird thing. What I noticed first and foremost was a change in my body. My shoulders just went. We're going to be doing this now. We're oh, just going the to be tightness! Pushing, isn't up. it insane? I said a physical a tightness. Physical. I've I w- I've been like this, shoulders up for like a yes, few years. Exactly. Yeah, it's really weird. And I, can I tell you another weird thing? You told me when you did SNL, you wouldn't. Uh, you and I talk about this stuff all the time. You wouldn't jerk off because you're like, I need the energy. That's where I am too. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I can't That's gross. be. I know. Well, it comes not for this show. <laughs> I know, but. Uh... I all think right. that's interesting. It's like Rocky. I say all the time, Rocky wouldn't have sex before his big fights because he couldn't yeah, that's where I got it lose from. the energy. That's where I got it from. And that's where uh, I got it from, too. Boxing, yeah. These insane <laughs> ideas. But I'm like, I can't, it, yeah. I can't drink. I can't kill any brain cells. I got I to gotta sleep. I can't have any outside stress. It's, I become this insane person that's trying to juggle like these balls. And, and no one – here's the scary thing. Zombie movies to me are scary and I think maybe I've said this before because no one believes the person that's getting chased by zombies. That's what makes it scary. Oh, that's a very good point. You come in and they go, "There's zombies," that's and why they go, "It was so I can scary." Beat it. Remember the movie It? No, I didn't see it. The killer clown, Stephen King. You know, it was a joke. Do you know what it I, is? I didn't mean that as a joke. Uh, no, go on. Well, the thing is, the kids see it and they know he's killing people, and the parents don't believe them. That's and exactly that's why it. it's the scariest thing in the world. That's the Twilight Zone with the Their gremlin on the wing. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, that's what scares me the most: is not being able to communicate, not having people listen. It, it worked out well that I'm in a profession where all I want is people to listen. Yeah. So the idea that if I if I don't have friends like you, I have no one to go. There's zombies after me. One of them's you know. Conico, you know what I mean? Like it's the Conico zombies, but I'm terrified, and no one understands why that why that's scary, and no one wants to hear it, and no one believes it. You know what I mean? They believe it. Uh, I guess they believe it. I mean, they're concerned with themselves, and it 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 is as simplistic as it sounds. Like when someone has something good going on, you're not worried for them about 
you understand that they're nervous, but you can't actually worry for them or feel sympathetic for them. Some people, yes. It's hard. Yeah. I think that's true. But I understand what you're going through. I was just listening to the... Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, but and- also, like, you're probably working yourself into that state because that's how you think the most clear. Well, that, you know what I'm noticing talking about anxiety is I saw like your body might know what it's doing. Yes. Panicking. I think I think it does because you have to think of a I don't know. You're doing a couple pilots. Yeah, we're doing a couple. You have to really be on guard. Yeah. And you have to think really carefully and precisely. Right. And that's that's exactly what I thought. So and that, don't don't, you know, think your body's your enemy. Right. I think I think it is on my side. Yeah. I was in my hotel and I was sitting there and I was freaking out. And I realized sometimes my freaking out doesn't even take the shape of the show. I very, I'm, I'm very confident about the show. I feel good about the show, the idea, the right. ideas we have, right. the people we have working on it. But then I'll find myself overly worrying about something else. My body will displace the anxiety somewhere else that's a little bit more controlled. Mm-hmm. I'll go like, oh, I'm going to talk to that person or something. And then I just said to myself, I went, I think I just have to come to terms with the fact that my body would, likes panicking. It yeah, enjoys yeah, yeah. panic. It yeah. wants to be nervous. Yeah. Because it knows what to do. Well, it also associates nervousness with, like, probably, you know, uh, accomplishment or something. I mean, you, yeah. you probably now think, like, oh, when I'm nervous, what follows that is success and maybe some advancement or something. Yeah, I you think know? maybe. it's it, it learned a bad lesson, perhaps, but it works. I don't know if it's a bad lesson. I'm not we sure. We both talked about when you're about to go on stage and you're not nervous and you start to panic that you're not nervous. That, uh, yeah, because you know you need to start that centrifuge. You need to be nervous to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. getting hopped up. Yeah. Okay, uh, speaking about not jerking off before shows, this is a weird thing that you and I have done. And I actually referenced this to you recently, and I was like, that's a weird thing that we did. What's the name of the show? Is we used to do contests like uh, smoking versus jerking off. Do you remember that? What was it? I, you wanted to stop smoking, and I was like, I'm jerking off too much. <laughs> so I was like, Mulaney, I'll do a deal. Smoking yeah. versus jerking off. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of weird. It's very weird, yeah. It's a crazy thing that we were doing as young men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And smoking's disgusting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're, you, like Carson, you're a reluctant smoker. Are you still? I don't even know. Yeah, I still smoke. Like I, I, I keep saying, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna stop for sure when I'm 30. And like, I, I'm not gonna smoke today. I'm probably not gonna smoke this week. But like next week, I might. Like I'm just. Right. I, I do it sporadically, but then I really do do it. You know, like right. I like smoke for like two days. Does straight. it help your writing? A lot of people. I don't know. Say it helps their writing. I don't know. Not a yes and no. You, I don't al- know. you always you always hate yourself when you. I remember you were like, I had a cigarette. It was hot. Yeah, was yeah, yeah. I was gross. smoking in front of uh, Thirty Rock, in front of Rockefeller Center. I was on the street and I was smoking, and it was like a sunny day and it was really warm. And I looked across the street and saw my reflection in a different office building. Oh. And I was a guy in a button-down shirt smoking in front of an office building, and I was like, Oh, you're just some fucking guy. <laughs> You're like smoking outside an office building. Right. Like, oh, you're not like a kid sneaking cigarettes anymore, you dipshit. Right. You're a smoker. Yeah. Like an adult smoker. No one cares. Right. Everyone will sell to you. Right. And no one cares that you're doing it. Right, right, right. It's not cool or cute anymore. It wasn't even because it was cool. It was just like, oh, you for real? Yeah, you're for real. Like a 30-year-old man with like a yeah. pack of cigarettes in his pocket. You know what I recently uh, have been talking about on the show is you need to have something to do something for. You know, and I don't mind repeating this because I think it was such a profound lesson for me. I've been exercising more. I've been doing yoga because I live in L.A. and I'm just merging with the landscape. So I've been doing yoga. So that you makes... feel you've become more L.A. Are I'm you being joking. a yeah, dick being person? Sarcastic. Yeah. 
as I drink kale juice. I wanted to bring a, bu- a bell, by the way, today and ring it every time you said someone's name that I know you that you don't like, that you, <laughs> that uh, you say you do like. <laughs> <laughs> our, our dear friend, the very funny, you know, like... <laughs> Ding! Ding. <laughs> That's a priceless... We'll do that next time. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good... I always thought... And this is mean, but I always thought a great show at Montreal would be, I think we talked about this, would be talking shit. It'd be well, called we talking shit, and it would be like the way comedians talk really shit talk. about other comedians. Right. Even ones you like, you'll make fun of. Of course. And, or, or bitch, or just be petty about the things that they're getting. Right. And I just find it really, I always laugh really hard when comics do that. Uh-huh. When they turn their sights on each other, it's really funny. It's the best. And I don't mean a roast, because the roasts are always like, you're hitting people on like a surface yeah. level, yeah. and there's an agreed upon, right. you know, you can go like, you got big ears and stuff. Right. But like, I always thought like Montreal, and it would be like an expensive show. Like talking shit, and you'd like just name names. Yes, you know, there's always like vague industry bullshit talk, there's, but it's like name mm, names, say yeah, people's yeah, names, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, it would be really expensive and like no phones, and there would just be in the beginning would be like, please don't repeat, tweet any of this stuff, don't write about it. Like right. this is what the show is. Right, right, like right. those plays where they ask you to not reveal who the killer is. Ah. Just be like, don't tweet about this. This is why it's fun. This will be special. Yeah. Well, then one of the ideas was to have the Talking Shit podcast where our voices are morphed. But then oh, yeah. one of the problems with that was no, you'd know you it need was to me. know who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you'd yeah. still know what you were going to Oh, our dear, our close and personal friend, uh, Nick Kroll, who we both know. <laughs> oh, God, I wasn't sure how I was coming across, and now I know. What I was going to say about yoga was that if you have something to not drink or smoke for, like the embarrassment of failing at yoga in front of your teacher and the other, ki- uh, other kids, other students in the class, oh, interesting. then You're I won't about do that. it. Yeah. Like, I'll go, like, I better get to bed and get eight hours of sleep because yep. I have yoga. Yep. It doesn't matter if it's yoga, a thing. Just put yeah. something in the thing. Some people use their newborn daughter. You know what I mean? These are why we're always putting our ambitions on You're the You're using yoga, yeah. I'm using yoga because yeah. I'm an empty man. Some people man. use the newborn dog. And I yeah. have nothing, so I use an exercise that I do. Right, right, right. <laughs> you use an exercise class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, I feel like this is a natural time to get into the topic that maybe you don't want to talk about, but it's something that you and I have talked about over the years, which is religion. And, and that, Why wouldn't that, I want to talk about it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I sometimes get worried that I'm going to go into something that you're like, that's an off-mic conversation. I don't know. Now, I really do feel like religion and sex and those things, they're weird. And like I said, it's like uh, when you mention certain things, I get like, yeah, I guess that's true. And it's like a little embarrassing. Right. But like taboos are kind of different. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like religion. I, I really do think like the biggest taboo is like money. And yeah. like weird things like that. Yeah. Like people don't want to talk about that at all. Right, right, right. Anyway. So religion's okay. You yeah, said you told me once that you resonated with something that I think Conan O'Brien said, where he said, I think there's a lot of secret show business Catholics out there. Uh does yeah, that sound wait, familiar? Where did he say that? Oh, in the Chris Farley book, yeah. In the Chris Farley book. Uh, also about Farley, who went to Mass, I think, every day. Oh, he did? Or maybe That's at least right, once I a think. week. Yeah, he used to yeah. go all the time. I remember. So you were that. you were raised Catholic, which feels right. Yeah, Midwestern, outside of Chicago. No, in Chicago, in the in city. Chicago. In yeah, the, the city. city. I didn't yeah, know yeah. that. I grew up in the city. I didn't I grew know up you in grew Lincoln up. Park. I didn't know that. Yeah, I always thought that you were like in, uh, you know, Evans, Evanston or something. No. Okay, in city. the city. Yeah. In the 
city kid. Yeah, one of those city, city kids. Oh, that's great. Little little citizen. I just walked around. <laughs> I was. I went. To, I remember. I was telling my girlfriend. I, I just re- remembered it all at once. I was like, you know, when I was like thirteen, I that remember that movie Home for the Holidays with Holly Hunter. Do you mm. remember that at all? Mm-mm. It's like Robert Downey Jr.'s in it. I went to a diner and I had lunch and then I went and saw that movie alone as a 13-year-old. <laughs> you were a New Yorker uh, I short was a story. Citizen. Yeah. <laughs> I just walked around. The littlest gentleman. The littlest man. The by little Steve like Martin. a little divorced man <laughs> went to a diner and was like more coffee please thank you. And then went to see like an okay movie <laughs> and walked home. You know that actually uh And you... I might, and then I probably would, didn't tell anyone I did it. I was probably just like oh, I, yeah, had, it's I had not my a day. big deal. Not that not a big deal. That was my dream. I used to walk to Lexington Center. And uh, my nothing. dreams were so weird like that. I wanted to read <laughs> a big fantasy of mine was reading a magazine in a diner. How weird is that? It's it's so that's you in a nutshell. That's perfect. that I was like, I just want to be left alone and read a magazine. Yeah. At a diner where they have like cheeseburgers. And right. Stuff. Right. And yeah. order whatever you want. Yeah. Order whatever you want. But I'm not looking to go crazy. Is that were you a stressed out kid? Because I realized recently one of the reasons I love swimming. When yeah, I was, I was very kid moody and weird. Was it was time alone. Oh, I underwater. really wanted alone time. Yeah, you go underwater. Because no one nice. would swim with, with me. So my parents and my brothers, and we didn't get along as a group. So I'd get in the water and I'd be like, ah, this is meditative. Yeah. I didn't know that I'd word. be alone a lot. I'd just like hang out in my room and pretend things yeah yeah it was the most fun it was the most fun pretend i think we're all trying yeah. we're trying to get back to the creativity that we had at that time i think yes sometimes. we are <laughs> no i don't i feel you, you and i have talked about that so much that yeah. i'm like yeah. yep yep tell me uh, before we get to god uh, you're in this relationship that, that sounds wonderful although i i've only met anna once do you mind if i say her name yeah that's fine um i think maybe yeah once in williamsburg very briefly i couldn't sketch her Right, I couldn't tell you the color. No, of that her wasn't hair. Anna. When when I to, when I was meeting someone on the street, yeah, that wasn't her. That was someone else. Oh, really? Then yeah. I've never met Anna. <laughs> no, you've met her. I have. Yeah, well, a, a long time ago. But it was it was probably brief. It, whatever it is, it's brief. You're you're my ex wifeing me with your girlfriend. No, no, you did. You have, uh, and because she's met you. Okay. All right. It's okay. I feel a little bit like a jerk. Why would you feel like a jerk? Only a little bit. No, it's it, you're not a jerk. Uh, Is at that all. deliberate? Or you? Because I've I've suggested that we all hang out. Like I'm like, let's all the three of us go out. Yeah, but we haven't been in the same city together in a nope. long time. There's a million reasons. I've I've I'm only wondering if it is kind of like you keep that separate or anything. No, 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 not, no, at, not all. at all. No, 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 not at all. I don't know. No. Well, it's uh, working. Well, let's See, hang out. You're, but what you're I was in, saying was what the only reason I know that you. I'm not bringing this up because you do this, but uh, you, there's a real thing where um, in, I don't know if it's just comedy. I'll say because what I've noticed is like when people meet your girlfriend and they re-meet her a million times. Right. You start uh-huh. to go like, uh-huh. one, I, I started noticing it because Anna obviously notices it. Um, and not she's not in a like she's not bitching or being resentful right, about sure, it. No. I just mean like she's like, I've met that guy before. And then you start to notice it uh as their significant other where you're like, Oh, you don't ever talk to my significant other. Yes. You just kinda look at me. Right. And that's like I'm not saying it's that I don't I don't know, uh I have been guilty of it myself. So it's like it's, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind is that like 
you you talk to someone. It's like you go up to someone you want to talk to one person probably. You're not like I want to talk to that couple. Mm-hmm, right. A lot of people aren't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see the Mulaney's. And then, um, well, sometimes they do. I just mean like people have an agenda at a lot of events, like. Montreal or like an SNL after party and it's just well, like especially in this people business. ignore your significant other while they talk to you right. and you start to become conscious of it like can I ask you is that an issue I feel like there, there was a girl that I was thinking about and I was like I wonder if uh, she and I would ever date and then I thought she couldn't handle it she loves attention she loves being the center of attention sort of thing and I was like I don't think that would vibe with me because I not I'm not necessarily at peace with wanting to be the center of attention which although clearly part of me does I think it would bother uh, part, part of, of me uh, you're dead forever but the what idea do you mean? why are you disowning that, like, that I think you do I do I think I, I do, do too but I'm, but I'm also weird. a little no one, bit no one's surprised we also fans have, are not surprised we also it. have shyness and stuff that's what I'm saying I also a little bit I like sometimes. it though uh, but I'm saying like it takes a certain type of person to be okay with going to the SNL after party and having people come up to you and not talk to Anna. Uh, I don't uh, – I wouldn't say my girlfriend demands to be the center of attention or needs to be like a ham. But in for any significant other or for any person, like you also don't want to be ignored. Right. Like that's you know weird too. You should – you know. Right. But, the, uh, you know, I think what I'm getting at is what I'm... Ignored or, like, just overlooked. People are just a little... People are a little uh, overzealous and focusing on, you know, the, the person in, like, comedy situations that they want to talk to and yes. they ignore their significant other. Yes. Uh, so you're balancing it. She's involved in comedy. The thing that I always bring up is Emily and Kumail. She's, she's not a comedian, but she's involved. And she called uh, comedy like their dog. You know what I mean? And sometimes it shits the bed and ruins your life and you have to go on the road. And sometimes it comes home with a bag of money. Does she find that balance with you in this weird life that you have? Uh, well, weird you life. should ask her. I mean... I guess. I don't... You know... Uh, how can we've, I phrase that question uh, we've, for you? We've talked about like making sure that we spend enough quality time together, and and also you know what, not just quality, but like also enough quantity time together. Like it is important to be around each other. Proximity is a big thing, right? In relationships, that you'd think like, oh well, I can travel a lot, and you know, or uh, people can be separate. And I, in my own personal experience, it's hard. Right. It doesn't quite add up to a relationship. Right. Uh, so yeah, we found a a good balance, but it's always it's gonna you know we just have to keep doing it, keep yeah. figuring it out because yeah, yeah, yeah. things come up and in a nice way things come up, but at the same time you know every time you go, anytime I think well maybe I'll just do this one, it's like there'll always be that one, right? There'll always be that thing where you're like I don't know it's got a lot of money, maybe right, right? There'll always be that hopefully, right? So. You should figure out how you feel about that. But it's interesting. One, one of the first things I noticed when I was single was I, I was like, I can move to L.A., you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Or I could stay in New York. Like, no one else is involved in me. There's a loneliness to that, and then there's an empowering side to that. Yeah, when I, when, when I started dating my girlfriend now, uh, I wanted to h- hang out with her all the time. But at the same time, I was also really used to that, of just being like, if I had a couple weeks off, I could go to L.A. and just stay on people's couches. And right, yeah. right. Or go to Edinburgh for a month. Right, you know right, I mean? right yeah. all, the, all these things that I know come up sometimes. Have that option, yeah. Well, let's, I've let's, never gone to Edinburgh for a month. I would never do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let, well, could well, I fly her? Would yeah, they you let can fly, me fly we'll, her for we'll, their We'll cover her show? flight, but not a hotel. But I'm assuming you're staying in the same hotel, so it'll be fine. 
Yeah, we stay in the same hotel. My bad show business riff. <laughs> I should have said hotel, but oh, not they flight. say that. Yeah, I was trying to be that. Uh, we assume you guys are going to show. Right? <laughs> and what it is is it's a bringer show. Is it's a bringer show. <laughs> Well, let's let's wrap this up. I know we could talk forever, uh, but I think it's it's getting kind of long. Is the idea of uh, of uh, of Catholicism? Okay, so saying. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, this I'm not can, trying to streamline it. I this, just mean, I yeah, I was raised Catholic. That's where we were, right? Yeah, we we can do this 15 seconds. It doesn't have to be long. I, I just know you and I have been God inclined in a lot of our conversations. Ironically, during the churching hour, we're in Williamsburg at 11 a.m. Over brunch. Oh, yeah, we'd eat we breakfast on Sunday morning. Uh, on Sunday morning, we'd talk at, like, diner. Or what is that place? Relish. Matter. Relish, right? Yeah. Oh, Relish is the other place. But what is that place that's now near where? It doesn't matter. Sweetwater. Sweetwater. No, that's the other place in Williamsburg. This one's in Manhattan. It doesn't matter. These are great places. We'd go, and instead of church, we'd have these long... Denal. Denal. <laughs> we'd have these long God conversations where we were, like, trying to be grown men okay with buying suits. We are also trying to be grown men coming to terms with the fact that this religion was put into us and will always be there in some capacity. They'll always... You know, one time I, I was in this office and I saw the movie The Book of Eli and the, uh, the girl... I know it's stupid, but I saw this book and it's about a guy protecting the Bible. Okay? Spo- That's what that movie's about? Spoiler alert. Yeah. The Book of Eli? Yeah, yeah. He's carrying around the Bible. Oh, weird. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, believe me, they cover that Who's in the in first that 10 minutes. It's Denzel Washington. Oh, right. Wow. So he's in a post-apocalyptic world, and he has right. the last copy of the Bible. Right. So I'm watching that movie, and it, like, moved me. Yeah. Because it's about these bandits trying to steal his faith, literally. Yeah. So he's going around defending it. People are mocking him. People are trying to steal it. And he's like, I just got to keep this. This is, this is mine. This is important. I got to get it to the right hands. Right. So I see that movie, and the person I was with at the time... Uh, you know, thought it was fine. And I had like a profound religious experience from the Book of Eli. Came back to this office and I think I teared up, which is how I cry. I can't cry, but I teared up right here. Right here. Yeah, at this men desk. can't cry. Yeah. I, I can't cry. And, uh, but like that's when I was like, shit, that stuff is hardwired in me somewhere. Of the course, idea yeah. of the Bible, the idea of do to your neighbor as it do to you, the idea of redemption, the idea of grace, the idea of sacrifice, the idea of forgiveness. These are things that will always turn me on right, right, you know, right. in that way. Yeah. And I spent a lot of my time shedding them and being like, rationally, this is stupid. I love science. And I do. I do. And I understand. You love science? No, no, no. I love talking to scientific people. You're oh, absolutely okay. right. I don't love science. <laughs> I don't love science. I never was good at science. When people who know science talk to me. And they make points about how, like, our eyes aren't as good. Why wouldn't God give our, ours the best eyes? He gave the best eyes to the octopus. That doesn't go in line with the idea of God or whatever. Okay. I'm like, how interesting. Yeah. But then I watch the book of Eli and cry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. So where, where, do you, where are you standing with On your... On the book of Eli versus uh, octopuses? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff thrown at you right yeah, there. Yeah, a lot of stuff thrown at you. But me. that's right in our wheelhouse. I mean, we're trying... It seems to me, if I'll put this to you, you're a man who you told me once you didn't want to read... Uh, what's that book? Um, it's the famous atheism book. It's like it's not God is not great. It's the same guy. Uh, the God what, delusion. Hitchens? The God delusion. Oh, that was is that the famous one? Yeah, the new one. And you told me one two things that I completely related to. One, you didn't want that in your Kindle index. Remember, in case your mom might see it. I never. You said, said that. that to me. I never said that. You definitely said. I that was to maybe me. joking. Uh, well, I took it as real and resonated with me because okay. I had a sample of that on my Kindle and was like, what if my mom figures out to turn on a Kindle? That'll be the day. Irina, you don't know how. Uh, and the other thing was, I look, I could read that book 
I might agree with him. I don't want to read that book. I don't want to agree with him. I don't want to lose this part of myself. Um, yeah, it's sort of like, uh, I'm fine with how I feel about it. Uh, it's not an itch, you know? And I think some people really are like, I feel really weird about this. I need to keep uh, exploring and hearing arguments for not believing in any kind of me? God. <laughs> uh, a little bit. Although, yeah. you know, you also seem like you like, you you don't like uh, cold atheism, right? Yeah, no, I, I'm turned on more by the seeking people, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, for real, like, you know how people go, like, I don't believe God's like a man with a long white beard that sits on a cloud and like yeah. watches us. Yeah. For real, some part of me does, <laughs> not, as, not doing a bit, really yeah. does think it's like a man looking down and judging yeah. us. Yeah. And then there's like for and you know is like personally mad at me you know like for real i think that but then uh i also i also think of it as you know uh, much i don't know how to phrase it um much more a like uh um hmm, this is interesting this sucks about podcasts is that like you're on mic and you can't think as you're uh, talking, do you know what I mean? Because people are listening to this. Like no, someone's I'm, at the gym listening to this. That's can, so funny. I can't take a million pauses. No, Mark. Mark Marin actually uh, told me. He, I was like, "What have you learned doing the show so long?" And he was like, "Let a pause happen." Yeah. So I, I was like, as that was happening, I was like, "This is fine. This is good podcasting. It's interesting. What are you thinking?" It's, you know, like it's very like everything's ve- everything's very loose to me you can borrow from not borrow you like everything a lot of things point uh a a lot of things in religions point to the right thing i think Mm -hmm. to the right idea that you're supposed to be going after and a lot of them point to the same idea um which is just how your behavior here affects a larger sort of like cosmic result yes and so I do think there's something to that. And I really, uh, I'm probably hemming and hawing a lot because I just don't want to use a lot of cliches. But like, you know, the, I, I think like there, there are times when you can be like, you know, if you've ever been completely like terrified or completely uh, in a place of fear or like hate, or real anger, real sadness, like, that is, like, hell. That's, Mm -hmm. like, what hell is. Mm -hmm. Like, those things exist. They're not just after. Like, those things exist simultaneously. There's, like, there's, you you get in different uh, states of mind that are also those types of states that you hear about as being, like, punishment stuff. And then there are times when, like, you really feel like free from any kind of fear or envy or want or anything like that. And like, that must be what like heaven is like. Right. This you stuff know. existing on earth on earth. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe some sort of afterlife reflecting the state that we were in. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, people. I, I, okay. I do like nothing disappears. Your body's not going to disappear. Like, your body will go into the ground or will be right. cremated. A tree dies, it doesn't disappear. It, you know, 
Ice uh, melts, but yeah, it's water. It becomes water. Evaporates. It becomes dirt, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know enough science to keep giving yeah, analogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a penguin bones become dust. Or right, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. But, so like the, whatever the energy is that is making me, John Mulaney talking to you, Pete Holmes, and you, Pete Holmes, talking to me, like yeah. the, the thing that I think is more than just like synapses firing and stuff, right. like that energy keeps going too. Yes. So that is my like... Him and hawing way of saying, like, there's something else going on. Yeah. That's what you told me. I remember you're making me remember a conversation that you had with someone else where you were like, the the universe seems to point to recycling. That everything seems to cycle. Everything seems to be reused. Yeah. yeah. I think But I don't know, you know. You know what? I don't need to I don't need a disclaimer that I don't know a lot about those things. I, yeah. that's how I feel. Yeah. But you know when people go like I don't I don't know, you know, like that idea of like, I don't believe in anything larger than myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like New York City's larger than you. Right. That has its own energy. Right, like right, right. This thing, even if it's just all of us together. Right. It's a larger thing. And that there is a real uh, energy created by that. Yeah. And would you say that Catholicism and the Catholic Jesus and the Catholic service or whatever, Christmas, Easter, however that's diluted, like a fancy sauce, it's been reduced to this. That's the, that's no, the no, no. lens I mean, that you like to look at this stuff through? Um, or just one way? You're talking about different paths up the same mountain. Are you, just, are, are you happy? You're sat, you're, it's like a long-distance carrier. You're satisfied with the Catholic service? Yeah, though I like Judaism a lot, too, which I've talked about a lot. Yeah. Well, I like actually, Judaism because it... I think for a lot of Catholics, it's like you don't like the certainty of it because it's like, you know, like you have a question. There's a direct answer. Right. In a lot of Christianity. Right. Judaism is a lot of like, we don't know. Yep. And we don't and we won't presume to know. And it's a, it's a Judaic thinking. In my experience, the, the rabbis that I've talked to, they talk a lot about what you were saying about heaven being a condition on earth. That, well, and they talk a lot about like tikkun olam, which is like fixing the world right like you have exactly. a business this is important what's All happening that, here this isn't my home i'm just passing through came much later you right know I mean? but came i also think that's important to yeah. realize that this is like a passing state but yep. you know at Both. the same time it's like oh no like we're we're here and yeah. there's a sense of uh there's a sense of what's happening now being important too in yes. that which i really like but i think i also just gravitate towards the like we don't know and, you know, like at the end of the book of Job, that like, where were you when I, I'm forgetting all those lines now. <laughs> where were you when I made everything? God says. Right, right, right. And it's true. It's like, yeah, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a real arrogance to a lot of religion and presuming, one, that there's a, presuming to know what, how every sentence ends, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so well put. Um, I thought it was terribly put. I really loved it. Okay, this I thought is it was that, horrible. That, that's a, a perfect recreation of how we talk when we talk about this stuff. And it's I know, great. but now I'm just it's thinking hard, about man. it being recorded. Look, the whole podcast comes with a caveat. There, there's just an understanding that we're just two guys talking. This is not. You're not no, preaching. No, you're not figuring not, it out. Yeah. We're just a couple of knuckleheads. We're a couple of knuckleheads. But I love it. To end on a lighter note, because that that stuff is always kind of heavy. I want to do soup. I want to, let's talk about soup, and we'll be soup done. Soup is a bit that we'll uh, be done with soup. I was like, is this, we were once We were eating, eating soup, I believe. We were eating soup. And I was like, you know what? No matter what. I, okay, we ordered soup. And then they brought like a light butternut squash cold soup. And I was like, huh. And you were like, what? And I was like, no matter what 
kind of soup I order, I am expecting dark brown liquid (laughs) that's hot with chunks of vegetables in it. I'm picturing like Progresso lentil soup. No matter what kind of soup I order, I'm always picturing like a big bowl of piping hot soup. That's served out of a big like pot and a ladle and a cauldron and a ladle and as as you said, piping hot potato that's hotter than the soup itself. <laughs> that's your line. That's mine. That's your line. Oh, I'm wow. only you go piping hot potato hotter than the soup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no matter. So if someone's like the, our soup today is like a chilled yeah, lemon, lemon chill, lemon, lemon chill. chill. Yeah, <laughs> chill lemon soup. I'd be like, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I and got in my it. head, I, and they'd be like, it is like you know. Yeah, like a chilled lemon soup garnished with like olive oil. I'd be uh huh. Yeah, I got it. And I'd be picturing like a bubbling brown cauldron of soup with beef the and s- some green beans. So the the hilarious bit is, no matter what type of soup you tell me about, I'm picturing like brown liquid with yeah. beef floating yeah, 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 in it and yeah. carrots. Yes. And uh, it's one of those. Things I don't think I I can't imagine it ever working. I'll never let go of it being one of the truly funny things in the world because I, I've yelled it out to you on stage and you've done it, which is not something you're supposed to do. It was like a, a casual show, and uh, you you have obliged, and it doesn't really work. But it's like my pimp line, and it's it's like those lines where you don't end with the strongest thing. I still think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's uh, it can only be told when with you setting it up and me going, okay, here's right. a bad bit. Well, that's what podcasts become a a place to put these bits that a have place no for home. clunky bits. Well, I, I just I riffed this on stage the other night about soup. I said uh, soup is an enviable order. If we go to dinner and I order first and then you order and then you order soup, I'm always like, oh, uh, oh, nah. we're not fat. I could have ordered. I could have ordered the pre-liquid meal, like, yeah, yeah, and then you eat it, and I just wa- and it's not shareable, so I just have to watch. Yeah, you yeah eat it. it's not shareable. Soup yeah, is. yeah, it's not. It's like ice cream. Yeah, that's really funny. The difficult thing. Yeah, I always get bummed when I order something, and the next person is like, "Um, they just order an appetizer." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, we're not going to eat like fat people." Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. You have that great bit of fr- about fries. I won't make you do it, Milady, Muldoonzy. I did your podcast, Pete. You did it finally. A lot of requests. Oh, were there? Uh, yeah, I would have nice. I would have had you in the first episode, but I mean, like we we haven't been able to make this happen. Yeah, you're so finally back did. in New York. Finally back. Yeah, just one, two days, two days here. Let's go get uh, lunch and talk. I want to tell you about this weird thing. <laughs> you're going to tell me about a thing that was too weird to talk about on your uh, imagine how ridiculously weird it oversharing podcast. <laughs> would you uh, say keep it crispy to take us home? Keep it crispy. Yep, and keep it crispy. <laughs> Thanks, man. Has anyone not said it? Yep. Chelsea didn't say it. Jesselnick didn't say it. Really? Yeah. Those are, those are the people you'd guess. They're both mean. They're both meanies. Uh, they're not really. Yeah. Uh, whatever. No, uh, they're, they're fun meanies. They're meanies that we love. Um, well, we should. I should stop talking. No. Thanks for doing it, man. I, I, and on the record, I love you. I love you. Oh, I love you too, Peter. Thanks for doing Bye. it. Bye. 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 Now leaving Nerdist.com.